3: We are back, baby. We are back! That's We right. are back! Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. A little double meaning to We Are Back. First of all, Michelle Smallman is back.
4: Thank you. Glad to be back. Vacation is great, but towards the end there, you just, you want to get home. And not only am I back, Randy, the Cardinals are back, There too. you go.
3: <laughs> How about our Redbirds? There was never a doubt.
4: Was there? Uh, there was a doubt. There was a few doubts. But they get back in the win column last night. Good to see them get that. They needed that in the worst way. And uh, I was pumped, first game that I watched in a while, that uh, they got the win. Because over the weekend, I planned this race. I was in I was in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, to run a half marathon. And, Which you
3: dominated. Yeah,
4: sure. We finished. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. <laughs> but when I initially looked at the weekend that I was supposed to go. I'm like, oh, it's Cardinals Cubs. I'm going to miss that. That's awful. I think I planned it quite well. I think actually now in retrospect, it was a pretty good timing situation. So, glad to see the Cardinals back in the win column, though.
3: Yeah, last night at the ballpark, full capacity allowed for the first time in a year and a half since the end of the 2019 season. About 25,000 on hand. Top of the second inning, the former Cardinal Magnura, Sierra, doubles and Adam DeVolp out at the plate because he missed the plate. Bottom of the second, Edmundo Sosa, singles home Yachty Molina, one nothing Cardinals, and you're thinking, okay, we're rocking and rolling. But then, very next half inning, top of the third, Jazz Chisholm, singles home a pair. It's 2 1 Marlins. Bottom of the third, Dylan Carlson reaches base. Tyler O'Neill doubles him home, but he misses the plate.
4: You've been watching baseball a long time. Have you ever seen that happen twice in one game? Never. That was bonkers. It was unbelievable. Really, it was. And, and
3: I really did think, by the way, that O'Neill dragged his toe across the plate. I think, again, we've had a failure, a systemic failure with replay in baseball.
4: They've got to figure something out. The whole process is so slow. Something needs to be done to make it more effective.
3: Bottom of the fifth, Cardinals tie up Paul Goldschmidt. Singles home, Tommy Edmond. So we're 2-2 going to the bottom of the eighth. Carlson on again. O'Neal at the plate again.
5: O'Neal with a try.
3: Carlson touched the plate this time, Michelle. He
4: did, but that's what smart people do, Randy, is they learn from their mistakes. (laughs) I bet he's going to be very cognizant of the plate every time from now on.
3: Or slide.
4: Or slide, exactly.
3: Paul DeYoung followed up with an RBI ground out to score Goldie, and the Cardinals win it by a score of 4-2. Adam Wainwright, again, the Cardinals stopper. Six strong innings. He allowed two innings on four, or two runs on four hits, struck out six and walked only three, and... The bullpen was terrific. Giovanni Gallegos got the win with the scoreless inning. Reyes was dominant in his scoreless inning. He threw 10 pitches. He struck out a hitter and set down the side in order.
4: Adam Wainwright, great again. Anytime that the Cardinals need him to step up and be big, he is the guy. He's the only guy. He is the only guy. He steps up. He stops the bleeding again. I said to myself last night, and I feel like I've said this so many times this season, where would the Cardinals be without Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina this season?
3: It would be awful. It would be be awful. Yeah. If they didn't have Flaherty and Wainwright wasn't going out there every fifth day, then this losing streak would be what? 11, something like that.
4: Something like that. And Yadier Molina steps up when the team needs him just to have them have that moment, a heads up play at the plate. You're thinking, man, these two so effective for this team. And it's hard to believe that there was a time where we thought not one, Mm -hmm. but both of them might not be here.
3: So Carlson in the third had been thrown out and Tyler (laughs) O'Neill. Had that double, but he had the game-winning double too.
5: Yeah, I mean, I've had a couple chances this year, came up a little short. So, um, you know, I was bearing down as much as I could out there, uh, and really wanted to put the ball and play hard somewhere and just give ourselves a good chance. uh, You'll give Dill a good chance to score, so uh, we were able to do that tonight.
4: Dill, Dill.
5: So this was obviously a big win for the Cardinals. That was that was a good one to get for sure. You know, we've been scuffling a little bit. Uh, Nobody hates losing more than we do. Um, but, you know, Wayno pits a heck of a ball game, and uh, we were able to score enough runs for him to come out on top in the end. So it was good, good all around today. The boys did the job.
4: <laughs> is there anything else you want to throw in there? Sorry, did I interrupt you? <laughs>
3: <laughs> so, you know, Stubby, Stubby Clapp, the first base coach, is from Canada too. Yeah. So sometimes when he gets thrown out on a close, close play, he'll say uh, to Stubby, Tyler O'Neill, he'll say, was I out? <laughs> and Stubby will say, yep, you're out. <laughs>
4: So good to be back, Randy.
3: National <laughs> League Central action last night. The Pirates lost, of course. <laughs> Cardinals are not going to fall behind Pittsburgh. Okay, so that's one positive. We feel sunshine, lollipops. Yeah. The Cubs, they are capable of losing. The Mets beat them by a score of five to two, and the Brewers, they are capable of losing. The Reds beat the Brewers ten to two. So the Cardinals. Are still a game behind the Reds in the standings. However, that being said, they do pick up a game on the first place Cubs and Brewers.
4: The Cubs are red hot. Thank go- thank goodness that they lost last night. But even just watching the highlights over the weekend, not only are they playing so well, Wrigley Field looked like the most awesome place on earth yeah. over the weekend with the cup snakes and the energy of the of the crowd. I was on vacation and watching those highlights. I wish I was in that in the outfield at Wrigley Field.
3: Yeah, me too. And hopefully the Cardinals, especially for a weekend, will be able to replicate that sort of energy when they get the full house going. And the team's going to be better. They're going to get players back. KK comes back tonight, mm-hmm. as a matter of fact. And eventually they'll get Harrison Bader back. And eventually they'll get people healthy and Arenado and Goldschmidt are not going to scuffle like they have been for the last couple of weeks. This seems going to be better than it has over the last couple of weeks. And the big key is hanging in there. Dan and I talked about it yesterday, Michelle. Just hanging in there and playing 500 ball until after the All-Star break when you get Flaherty back.
4: Absolutely. Tread water while you can, especially when the schedule lightens up a little, or at least you have more opportunities to get some wins while you're while you're nursing your team back to health. But my issue is if the team isn't able to do that, once you do get healthy, your margin for error is nothing.
3: Right. You're going to have to go. If you're at 500 at the all-star break in the final 60 games or so, you're going to have to go probably 12, 14 games over 500 to be a playoff team.
4: And that's a lot of pressure to put on yourself. And, and a lot of pressure to put on a team that you don't know how healthy everybody is when they do return. You're hoping that there's no more unforeseen injuries that happen. A lot of things are going to have to fall their way if they can't tread water during this time.
3: Hockey last night the Vegas Golden Knights won their opener against the Canadians 4-1, and Vegas just looks dominant. Obviously, when you beat Colorado in six like they did, you are a really good team, and they've got every single element, Michelle, that you need to be great. The goaltender is playing great. The addition of Petransil has given them a really solid, good defense, and obviously Petro controlled the series against Colorado, controlled the game last night, and then they have great work up front, and it's hard for me to imagine that the Canadians can beat them. As a matter of fact, I'm not so sure that either, and I don't think, either the Islanders, who are really good, or the Tampa Bay Lightning, can beat Vegas. I i think Vegas is awesome. I think they're great.
4: They look like the team to beat, but I also said that about the Avalanche. Yeah. Yeah. Heading into that series with Vegas. I thought Colorado was going to win. So while Vegas does certainly look like a Stanley Cup champion, it's playoff hockey. You never know what can happen.
3: No, you you don't. Thing is, they can play like the Blues a couple of years ago, and they can play like the Lightning last year. They have every element to play whatever game you play and then play it better.
4: Watching Petro during this time, I'm in a glass case of emotion about it. I really want him to have success because he's a great guy. He did so much for St. Louis and for the Mm -hmm. Blues organization. But it's just painful. It's painful watching him be so dominant and be on such a good team while the Blues and their fans are watching from home.
3: The, the Golden Knights, to their credit, they knew they had to go for it. Mm-hmm. And they have given up, given out some massive contracts with those no move clauses. And three years down the road, they're going to be where the Blackhawks are right now or the Red Wings are they're going to be playing for the top pick in the draft pretty soon.
4: But if you get a Stanley Cup championship out of it, especially if you're a franchise that is in its infancy and you're trying to connect with a a fan base, even though it doesn't seem like they needed that at all, it looks unbelievable in Vegas their playoff environment looks incredible I'm dying to go to a game there it seems like Vegas jumped on this bandwagon really quickly to support this team but if you're in the front office or your ownership there you understand that this window to win and to build lifelong fans in your town is it's very important to capture that first championship
3: and I wonder if the Blues philosophy might have been different had they not won in 2019 regarding Petro last year
4: oh I'm sure
3: because Like you say, Vegas is desperate to get a win of a Stanley Cup under their belt. The Blues already had theirs. Petro leading the Golden Knights in minutes last night with 25 minutes and 26 seconds. He had seven shots on goal and just, again, four takeaways controlled the game and and played exceptionally well. And the other series resumes tonight. You've got uh, the Islanders leading the Lightning. One game to nil last night in the NBA Hawks over the Sixers. 103-100, 103-100, that series even at two games apiece. Clippers over the Jazz, that series even at two games apiece. And tonight, the Suns continue to await the winner of the Bucs, uh, or rather the Clippers-Jazz series. Bucks and Nets play tonight, 7-30, and that series is tied 2-2. So all the other series tied 2-2, except for the Sun series. They won 4-0.
4: And some, uh, some major injuries, too, for the Nets, right? Yes, they're Without only going to have Kyrie. Kevin Durant.
3: No Kyrie, no Harden. So Not they're great. gonna try to win without those guys against Giannis, who's playing at a high high level right now.
4: It's gonna be tough.
3: Yeah. That's the way it goes. Tough. Hey, try to buy a championship. You gotta buy more good players, right?
4: You know what? You can spend all the money you want on players. You can't prevent injuries. You, you can't cannot. write a check to prevent injuries.
3: <laughs> that's Michelle. I'm Randy, and we're off and running here on 101 ESPN. Coming up next, get your text into the Air Comfort Service, text line 965780 because we've got a game of what's better on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
3: We always love your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. And every Tuesday morning, it's a game of what's better for Michelle and I. And with your texts, here is Emily. What do you got, Emily? Emily.
0: From the 217, what's better, the Cardinals being at full capacity or the Blues being at full capacity once they start their season?
3: I think it'll make more difference from an emotional standpoint for the Blues Mm -hmm. to be at full capacity. They seem to be a team built on emotion. Not that it doesn't benefit the Cardinals, but the Cardinals, with a crowd of 25,000 like last night, can have it feel like a normal big crowd The Blues at full capacity, if they open it up and they get 18000 in the building, it's just a different vibe altogether.
4: And not that it wasn't difficult for the Cardinals to be without fans or to have smaller crowds, but the Blues came out and said that they were actually affected by that. They said, (laughs) to your point, that during the bubble, it was something that really impacted them not having fans and not having that energy in the building. So I'm with you. I'm going Blues and Enterprise Center. From the 314, what's better, a Flaherty extension or a Flaherty trade?
3: Oh, a Flaherty extension. Agreed. We're seeing now the value of Jack Flaherty. When we have had number one starters here in St. Louis, whether it was Joaquin Andujar or John Tudor or uh, the 87 Cardinals were a great example. John Tudor goes down and, and they wound up going on a roll. But eventually you just, you don't have that one stalwart in the middle of your rotation that, Every fifth day, you know you're going to win the game. If you don't have a number one starter, you are so susceptible to a 10 or 13 game losing streak. If you have that number one starter, and Adam Wainwright's doing a magnificent job mm-hmm. of acting as that guy right now. It, You've got a, a win every fifth day, and that makes all the difference in the world. And that's what Jack Flaherty brings to the table. And if you trade Jack Flaherty, you aren't getting that guy back in return.
4: Absolutely not. And the goal of this is to win championships. Mm-hmm. And you're good luck in the postseason if you don't have a guy like Jack Flaherty to go game one.
3: Hey, look at what Chris Carpenter did for the Cardinals when he was a member of the Cardinals. We looked it up yesterday 10 and 4 in the postseason, 3 and 0 oh with a 2.00 World Series earned run average. When you have that guy, it makes all the difference in the world.
0: From the 314, what's better, 2021 Jake Allen or 2021 Jake, I'm sorry, 2021 Jordan Bennington.
3: Oh, Jordan Binnington. Yeah, J- Jake had a really nice start for the Canadians, but he struggled down the stretch. He's not playing in the playoffs. Carey Price is the guy. So yeah, it, Jordan Bennington was the goalie for a playoff team. Yeah. The number one goalie for a playoff team.
4: No dis- disrespect to Jake the Snake because we love him, but one is the guy and the guy that you would go to in a big moment, and the other is a complimentary piece. Yeah,
3: All due respect, again, to Jake, but even in 2021, the other guy won a Stanley Cup two years ago. So you take the guy that won the Stanley Cup. If every team in the league had the opportunity to take either Jake Allen or Jordan Biddington, they'd take Jordan Biddington.
0: That's right. From the 314, what's better, having Friday, Saturday, and Sunday off or having Saturday, Sunday, and Monday off?
3: Okay, Michelle, you had both. So (laughs) why don't you tell us?
4: Mondays are the pits. So I would go, and Fridays are loose and fun, especially a summer Friday. So I would take getting Saturday, Sunday, Monday off. And then you have a, a short week.
3: But here's the thing. You're making a weekend trip to Chicago. Would you rather go to sh- go to Chicago Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or Saturday, Sunday, Monday? I'd rather do Friday, Saturday, Sunday that's for a weekend trip.
4: an excellent point out of you. I'm thinking strictly which day of work would I prefer uh-huh. to miss, and I would prefer to miss a Monday as opposed to a Friday. Okay. But you're right. If you take the Friday off, you get to maximize a more valuable piece of weekend property, and mm-hmm. that's Friday night. Yeah. But I I'm, I'm still think I'm taking Monday off, especially when you return from a trip on a Sunday night. If you know you have to go to work Monday, sometimes yeah. you don't necessarily unpack right away. And you, I don't know. I just think when you return on a Monday, you, you tend to throw yourself back into action, more knowing the, de- the next day is Tuesday.
0: From the 314, what's better, Kronky's hockey team losing or Kronky's basketball
4: team losing? Hockey team losing. Without a doubt. Yeah. We don't and have a basketball team in town. Ultimately,
3: so. <laughs> You don't get into this business, Michelle, to to win championships. That's just not realistic.
4: Well, good. He's in the right business then because he's not winning.
3: He is handling the business to a T like he wants to.
4: I'm sure you talked about slash read the news from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch over the weekend about the lawsuit. I I wasn't here. So a quick take on your feelings there.
3: Uh, rehash of things that the NFL and Kroenke have already asserted as they've made filings to get this thing into arbitration. Nary a concern on the part of the St. Louis attorneys.
4: Good. Good. That's the way I felt reading it. Yeah. It seems like a reach on the Cronky side of things.
3: Uh, there is a level of desperation, I think. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing.
4: Good. From the 636, what's better? IndyCar or Formula One? Oh, F1 all the way. You're listening to a newly founded F1 fan. Yes, I watched the Netflix show, and I am obsessed.
3: You two are F1 fans, or at least... You have a familiarity. I do not, so I will let you explain why F1 is better than IndyCar.
4: Well, maybe because I watched a Netflix docu yeah. series on one and not the other, and I truly think that every league could benefit from having a show like that done about them. We saw it with the NFL and Hard Knocks. People watch stuff like that and they get invested emotionally in the people involved in the process, and that's what I did watching F1. I support Team Ferrari, which is the ultimate Italian driving machine, but I am through and through a Daniel Ricciardo girl. That is my driver of choice. So um, I'm an F1 fan, as opposed to NASCAR, IndyCar, whatever you want to, whatever else you want to throw on the table, I'm taking F1.
3: Okay. You agree, obviously?
4: I, I, I haven't
0: watched the show yet. I have it on my list. Uh, my brother and my dad are into F1, so I, by default, By osmosis, we'll there you yes, go. I yeah. would choose that. Okay, good. Um, From the 618, what's better, going camping in a tent or in an RV?
3: Uh, I always said, Michelle, that if I was going to do the show Survivor, (laughs) I would wait until we get to Survivor Ritz-Carlton.
0: Oh, you'd crush that. Yeah, I would. I would do the same thing.
3: Yeah. So I'm just going to wait it out. If If this is like Would You Rather, and I have to choose one, it's an RV every single day. And yep. a big, like a motorhome RV.
4: Yeah, one has air conditioning and the other does not. Bingo. We had this conversation over the weekend because we were in Wyoming and two of my friends that were on the trip, they live in Colorado. They have passes to all the parks. They love to camp and hike and all of that. I love to hike, but I love at the end of the hike to get into my air conditioned car and drive to Mm -hmm. a restroom or creature comforts that I need to survive. I said to them, "I, I will never understand why your idea of a good time is sleeping on the ground.
3: We did that 7,000 years ago. There's okay?
4: a reason we have evolved as a species.
3: Bingo, we have, right. Plumbing. Yeah.
4: Plumbing, yeah. Gotta plumbing have is, it. A,
3: is a big thing. And plumbing in RVs right now is fantastic.
4: And bug bites. Yeah. You're, you're sleeping in the well, tent. Mosquitoes are everywhere. in
3: Wyoming. I can say a bears in Wyoming. A, oh, a, a, they have bears. There's uh,
4: signs everywhere. Get your bear spray out. Uh-huh. Make noise. There are bears around every corner. Bears, bears can here.
3: knock down a tent.
4: Yeah, forget it. I'm good. Yeah, when yeah. you go camping, there's signs everywhere, put your food in the bear bin because your bear might come and attack. Yeah. But that doesn't sound like a gra- I don't want to sleep in that area. I don't want to lay on the ground and have a terrible night's sleep in an area where a bear could come attack me.
3: Did you know that elk are aggressive?
4: I, I do not, but it would not surprise me because I have seen the sizes. I saw the size of them this weekend. Perfect. They're massive.
3: I was in Alaska, went for a bike ride in Alaska by myself, not knowing that elk were <laughs> aggressive. And I see the elk crossing signs and stuff. And I, I actually did see an elk and said hi to it. it. seemed friendly enough to me. And I get back to the hotel and uh, somebody says, how was your ride? And I said, good. I said, why did you go by yourself? And I said, well, nobody else was going to ride a bike with me. I said, well, you know, the elk out there are really aggressive and can hurt you. I, said, I had no idea. So I didn't go on any more bike rides in Anchorage, Alaska because of the aggressive elk.
4: Must not have been Midwestern elk.
3: No. And (laughs) I'm assuming, although we don't speak the same language, that when I said hi to that elk, it said hi back. It seemed to be a friendly elk.
4: Maybe it just sensed that you were a gentle creature and it felt it didn't feel threatened by you.
3: Or maybe just because I was on my bike, it thought I was an elk.
4: (laughs) Hey, dude. What's up? (laughs) Nice wheels.
0: (laughs) (laughs) From the 314, what's better, Ryan Reeves getting a first Stanley Cup ring or Alex Petrangelo getting a second?
3: Well, they would go hand in hand, but I'm always on the side of the good guy getting his first ring.
4: Same. I would be thrilled for both of them, but Ryan Reeves was such a fun character to cheer for here in St. Louis. and whether Petro gets a second one or not. He's already had that that first taste of it, that special moment, and the second one will never live up to the first. Never. So I would always pick Ryan Reeves getting his first. Okay, so this
0: one's actually a two-parter. Okay. Ooh, what's better? Reever getting a ring or Patty getting
4: his third? Oh, I'm going with Pat Maroon getting his third. If Pat Maroon goes back to back to back, that would be incredible.
3: He's a St. Louis guy. That's right. So, yeah, I... I... Yeah, that's hard to not. Yeah, and, I'm, I'm still going to go with the St. Louis guy getting his third because he's bringing the cup to St. Louis again.
4: That's right. And he is a great time when he has the cup. Yes, he he is he is genuinely amazing content. He loves to party with the, with the cup. But to think that Pat Maroon was a guy that in 2019 didn't know if he was going to be here for his bobblehead night. I know and that he went on to score arguably the most important goal, if not one of the most important goals in St. Louis Blues history, and then leave here, win another Stanley Cup. If he was to 3 Pete that would be one of the most incredible stories ever.
3: He is the quintessential third, fourth-line guy, has no problems playing 9 or 10 or 11 minutes, and is a great guy in the room. He's a great winner. He's a great needler. He's the perfect guy to have on your team.
0: From the 618, what's better? A trade for Matthew Kachuk or signing Gabriel Landeskog?
4: I I want the St. Louis guy. Give me Kachuk all day.
3: Yeah, I take the 23-year-old that is the essence of what the Blues need. You want a guy with grit and sandpaper that is the old hockey line he's miserable to play against. The rest of the league hates Matthew Kachuk. Why? because he's miserable to play against. Absolutely, you want Matthew Kachuk on your team. Gabriel Landeskog's a good player, but he doesn't fit exactly what the Blues need. Matthew Kachuk does.
4: Also, Matthew Kachuk understands the Blues organization. He understands what it means to put the, that sweater on with the note on it. And
3: it's not just the organization, though. It's taking off your all-star jersey and having a Yachty Molina jersey underneath. That's right. At the all-star game.
4: That's absolutely right. He understands what the Blues fan wants as well. Mm-hmm. And I just think it would be such a perfect fit. Can you imagine Craig Berube getting that news?
3: Oh, man. I-
4: it would be a match made yeah. in st louis heaven
3: if you're the blues and you make that trade and you're matthew and you're keith do you want matthew wearing number seven?
4: Oh, great question i think that would be really special and cool
3: i think it'd be cool too he's number 19 there i would guess that they would have no trouble giving him 19 with bogon but that'd be that'd be pretty cool to see him wearing number seven but i remember when chris long Got drafted and took number 72. I said, why didn't you take 75? He said, I'm not an idiot.
4: <laughs> didn't want to live up to that. No, or uh, have to dad. be compared all the time to his dad. Yeah. From the 636,
0: what's better? The Cardinals getting an elite starting pitcher or some relief help before the deadline?
3: Elite starting pitcher. All day. Yeah. Hey, if they could get that, and then you get Flaherty back, and then all of a sudden, if you have a elite starting pitcher, Flaherty Wainwright. Mm -hmm. Every series you go into, you feel like, okay, we're going to win at least two out of three. And then you get into the playoffs and there are some great rotations in the National League. If the Mets make it, if the, obviously the Dodgers are going to make it, Blake Snell has not pitched well for the Padres. So I I don't know if I can go with with him, but there are some really good rotations that you have to go up against and you need three really good starting pitchers if you're going to do it. Thanks, Emily. Thank you. Well, let's do a little production here. Emily's our product, producer, but uh, we've we, we made changes during the course of the show. Yes. So are we doing Phil next?
6: Yes. Are, we're sticking yeah, we, with we Phil. We can stick with Phil. Okay. Uh,
3: all the old guys are, like, hanging out together now, and it's pretty fun. We're going to talk about it next on 101 ESPN. We are right back to the character and Smallman podcast
1: on 101 ESPN.
3: revealing piece by Sports Illustrated yesterday where Bubba Harkins, the former clubhouse guy for the Angels, talked and named names he already had in a lawsuit that he filed about a year and a half ago about the players that had ordered a sticky substance of the pitchers that had ordered his sticky substance from him, among those Garrett Cole, Max Scherzer, even Adam Wainwright of the Cardinals. And now, overnight, Jeff Passan reporting the Major League Baseball is expected to announce today that it will suspend players caught with any foreign substance for 10 days with pay for a a 10 day suspension with pay. So you miss a start to help curtail the widespread use of grip enhancers by pitchers around the league. Uh, The rules have been on the books for decades that you can't apply a foreign substance to the baseball. And Michelle, obviously it's a problem and I can't imagine that the, well, We did have players stupid enough to use performance enhancers. People got suspended, right? So perhaps there will be pitchers that will use this substance because it affects their performance so dramatically.
4: Yeah, there's so much to unpack with this subject and with the Sports Illustrated piece. But I guess my big takeaway from the Sports Illustrated article wasn't that players were using it because it seemed like it was so prominent throughout every clubhouse in baseball, but that Major League Baseball consistently turned a blind eye to it, and in some cases you had organizations even perfecting their own concoction to provide to pitchers, and so now that Major League Baseball is seeing the effects of this so dramatically, with offenses cratering across the league, and they're at this crossroads of crisis when it comes to fan engagement and the entertainment aspect of their game, they're trying to do something about it, but it seems like the toothpaste is already out of the tube with this one, that Major League Baseball just This allowed this to persist for so long that I don't really know if a 10 game suspension with pay is going to be enough to deter some players from using it. And I also think it's going to be very difficult for Major League Baseball to police this.
3: That's going to be a real issue because. Who put the substance on the ball? Did it come from a bat? Did it come from the catcher? Mm -hmm. Did it come from the pitcher? Did it come from the ground? We have no idea. And so an umpire gets the ball and and they throw it out of play. The ball is checked by Major League Baseball officials. But uh, you know a pitcher, if he wants to, is going to appeal and say, hey, I didn't put it on there. And who's to say that he did? I think that's going to be a real issue.
4: Well, and... Some players are using spider tack, which might be one specific thing that you can... Identify. I don't know if you're going to test the balls or how you're going to be able to to determine that. But a lot of other players are using specific mixtures with pine tar and rosin, or you could do sunscreen and rosin, which a lot of people have been doing for a long time. It just seems to me like it's going to be hard for them to discern exactly what's in the mixture, what percentages of what things are in the mixture, when some of that is legal and some of that is readily available to players and in clubhouses. So I don't really know how they're going to be able to determine the exact percentages of what's going to be allowed and what's not.
3: And a lot of players are just saying, hey, let them do whatever they want. And granted, players, pitchers are throwing the ball like it's a wiffle ball right now, but allow pitchers to do whatever they want and allow hitters to do whatever they want. Ultimately, what baseball needs to do is make sure they get some offense back in the game. And that's why it's become such a big deal is because apparently, and we're going to hear from Adam Wainwright in a second, the spider tack has made the grip of the ball and spin rates even better, and it's obviously devastated offense. Here's Wayno on the SI article.
7: I got nothing to hide, Commission. I mean, I mean, you know the what Bubba said is true. I, I I tried it in 2019. Honestly, it didn't work for me. You know, I mean, you can check the order. I only had one order with that guy, and uh, you know, I gave it away very soon afterwards so uh, it's something that you have to apply and, and go to every pitch you'll never see me go to my arms or my or my glove and touch that I don't like doing any of that stuff you know I tried it I didn't like it I got rid of it you know and uh haven't pitched with it in years so um I got nothing to hide you know if that gets me in trouble because I did it years ago then so be it but I pitched without it for however many years that is until 2019, and I pitched without it however many years since 2019 without it. So uh, I got nothing to hide. You can check my glove. You can check my hat. You can watch me like a hawk all game long. You'll never see me uh, with any of that stuff on me ever. So um, I got nothing to hide. You know, I feel good about that. I, I mean, the truth the truth shall set me free. We'll see. Maybe it, I don't know. Maybe it will or maybe it won't. But I, I have nothing um, – I have nothing more to add because there's there is nothing more to add.
4: Now compare that answer to what we heard out of Garrett Cole last week <laughs> right. and I think that if you're Adam Wainwright, when we asked him about it, he was so forthcoming even before the Sports Illustrated article And we didn't had even
3: ask about it, he brought it up himself.
4: That's right, unprompted. I believe the way we framed the question was how prominent is this now as compared to when you first got in the league? How has this developed? And he readily offered up to us that he had used it in the past and I think he's probably, first of all, he's a person with integrity and I appreciate that out of him, that he's honest and transparent and forthcoming with this. But I also think it's an indicator of how prominent this was in the league, that Adam Wainwright feels comfortable sharing that he did this, because if you read this article, it seems like every pitcher in Major League Baseball was using this Mm -hmm. to some effect. And if if we have this article and everybody knew it, then I'm sure the powers that be in Major League Baseball knew it, too. And now they're trying to retroactively go back and fix something that they allowed to happen for a really long time. And I, I just very much appreciate Adam Wainwright coming out and being honest about this. And he, I, how can you punish him for doing this a couple years ago?
3: No, and this is going <laughs> to a memo is coming out today, so they they won't be able to unless like. He said, unless they find it on him, and he says they won't. Now, what's the difference between what Bubba Harkins make? And by the way, former Cardinal Troy Percival showed Bubba Harkins, the clubhouse guy in Anaheim, how to make this. Bubba Harkins presented it to some of the players on the Angels. They went to other places. Troy Percival went to Detroit. Justin Berlander found out about it, made the order to Harkins. So pitchers from around baseball were asking Bubba Harkins for this concoction. So what's the difference between what he was making and what we've heard about with Garrett Cole, spider tack?
7: Well, um, I do feel bad for Bubba in a way because uh, it really is. Honestly, it's like pine tar and rosin is pretty. I mean, I think there's another couple of things in there, but it is like, you know, it's like junior league, like, Minor league stuff compared to this other stuff that are made for weightlifters and all that I mean it really is you know i I've, I've already told you every truth that I can tell you so might as well just go ahead and lay it all out there um it, it there's a there's a tremendous difference in that stuff and this this really high high grade stuff i I've never uh once seen a jar of that stuff in person I've never once come in contact with it other i mean I know some guys are using it or you know around the league or whatever but um I've never seen it in person to know how how sticky that stuff is, honestly. But uh, from what I've heard from people who have used both, it's not even close, you know. So,
4: yeah, the stuff that Bubba was mixing up was two versions of pine tar, liquid pine tar and Mm -hmm. solid pine tar with rosin. And he would do it in a soda can and heat it up. And he did it in the the clubhouse. And there was no specific measurements. If you read the piece, he talked about how it was just the eyeball test. It seems like a pretty unsophisticated operation as opposed to something like SpiderTac, which is obviously produced and sold, right? Yeah,
3: and Percival showed Harkins how to make it in the mid-90s, but we didn't know what spin rate was. We didn't know what spider Tack was in 2006 when Adam Wainwright threw that curveball in October when it was cold mm-hmm. to Carlos Beltran. So, he, like he said, used it six or seven times, didn't like it, so he's moved on from it. Baseball has not You'd have to be a real idiot to use it now, though, if if you're tr- Garrett Cole or Trevor Bauer, you already have your contract. But if you're if you're trying to use this stuff to get your contract and you get caught, you are, for lack of a better term, stained for the rest of your career.
4: Yeah, it sticks to you. <laughs> <It does. laughs> but I do wonder how many guys who are in a position maybe to get that contract if they're looking at whatever position they're in and they know if they don't use it, that their numbers are going to fall off. And sometimes by not using it again, you're showing or you're admitting in a lot of ways that you were using it based on your numbers, which
3: is pretty tacky.
4: (laughs) I'm trying to think of another one. I was unprepared, but that was really good. It is, but it's just also if you're getting a 10 game suspension, sure. There's the embarrassment that you got caught, but you're still getting paid.
3: Oh, Oh, no doubt about it. Do you think something like this will stick to to Ueno?
4: No, not at all.
3: I thought what he had said had a lot of substance.
4: <laughs> Do you think other other pitchers around the league are listening to Adam Wainwright be so honest? And think, and, Come on, man! They're like, what? Come on! No,
3: I'm going to be asked.
4: Right, but if you're not doing it anymore, you you Adam Wayne writes it correctly. He's got nothing to hide. He right. and doesn't that make what he's doing now even that much more impressive if yeah. he's not using anything? Remarkable. It's incredible.
3: That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up next on 101 ESPN. Get your text into the air comfort service text line six five seven eight zero. Take it or leave it. Coming your way on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
3: Carriker Smallman on 101 ESPN. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. And Emily will give us your tioli. Michelle, we know that James Harden and Kyrie Irving are out for the Brooklyn Nets. Kyrie with a sprained ankle suffered the other day in game number one. Former Celtic Glenn Big Baby Davis (laughs) tweets, that's the same ankle that stomped on Lucky with. Lucky being the Celtics mascot at center court. Mm -hmm. Take it or leave it, the basketball gods are indeed punishing Kyrie for stomping on the Celtics mascot.
4: I'm going to go ahead and leave it, even though Big Baby does make a compelling argument in the favor of the basketball gods, Mm -hmm. but I just don't know if that would have angered them that much, that that's where they're going to go is to Kyrie's ankle.
3: You wouldn't think so. That's a pretty severe injury for stomping on a mascot's logo. That's right. Now, if he stomps on the mascot itself, that's different. That might be karma, but this was just on the logo at center court. That's right. So That should be allowed. I agree. Maybe there's some karma that comes back, but not a really sprained angle—a sprained angle that looked really bad.
4: I also think the winds of karma may have shifted when he got a water bottle chucked at his head.
3: a uh, true. That's a good point. So, yeah,
4: I don't know if he necessarily needs retribution from the basketball gods after the fans in, in Boston were throwing <laughs> things at him. Okay, Randy, we just talked about Major League Baseball and the sticky situation that they're in mm-hmm. regarding illegal substances on baseballs. Major League Baseball releasing a memo saying that any player that gets caught using this, they're going to have a 10-game suspension with pay. Take it or leave it, within one calendar week, we're going to have at least one player suspended by Major League Baseball for this. One week? One week.
3: I'm going to leave that. I think everybody will stop for a while, and then somebody will come up with the idea that, oh, well, it's really not that bad. It's not happening. They won't catch me, but then they will.
4: I'm looking at it more through the lens of Major League Baseball wanting to make a statement here and wanting to hold someone accountable and maybe scare people off because I don't know if a 10-game suspension is is that scary to me if I'm still getting paid.
3: (laughs) It's not, but I, I do think that guys ultimately do want to pitch and the good guy, well, the guys that have their contracts, like we mentioned, right after Gallegos got his hat taken away by joe west we saw the spin rates for bauer and garrett cole drop precipitously it'll be interesting to see if somebody does who it is Mm -hmm. i'm guessing that it'll probably be somebody that isn't making a ton of money that's angling for that big con like a a kevin gossman in san francisco who's been great has he been great because of a foreign substance we don't know but He's got a chance to make a a lot of money after this season. He's a free agent.
4: But couldn't you see Major League Baseball wanting to capitalize on this why they can Mm -hmm. and suspending someone and trying to show other pitchers we're being serious about this?
3: And to say to the public, see, we knew it. Yes. No doubt. Yeah. Emily, what do you got for us?
0: From the 636, take it or leave it, the Cardinals should hold off on trading for a pitcher, for example, Kyle Gibson, until we see the fallout of the foreign substance issue. I'm taking that.
3: I'm going to leave it. They just need somebody to give innings. And I'm not going to worry about that right now. I just need... I don't have a fifth starter. So I just need a pitcher that's going to give me some innings.
4: Yeah, you don't really care what he's using or not using. I I just worry about them getting someone and then that not being the pitcher that they expect them to be.
3: They know about the spin rates of pitchers. and Now they know why spin rates of pitchers have increased. So you need to get that guy... And maybe Gibson isn't a perfect example, but you need to get that guy whose spin rate hasn't changed dramatically that you know can perform for you. Mm -hmm.
0: From the 314, take it or leave it, this is most likely Matt Carpenter's last year in a Cardinals uniform.
3: I'll take that.
4: Take it. He's been performing lately, though.
3: He's been the last uh, four weeks. He's been fantastic.
4: He
0: has.
3: At least offensively.
4: From the
0: 3-1-4, take it or leave it. The Cardinals will score at least three runs tonight.
3: Ooh, I like that, and I'm going to take it.
0: Uh, I'll take it, too. But not tomorrow. <laughs> no, not tomorrow. <laughs> From the six three six, take it or leave it. Eli Drinkwitz will have the Missouri Tigers in the
4: SEC championship game in the next four years. Take it. Four years is a good window. I'm going to take mm-hmm. it as well. I think that's a fair window. I would leave it if we said two, but I think in four years, if he continues on this pace, he's going to build something special.
3: He's getting players. It's amazing. Mm -hmm.
4: From the 3-1-4, take it or leave it. The Nets will win tonight by at least 10 points. Leave it. I'm going to leave it. I don't know if they win.
3: And let's just leave. Let's not even say the Nets. Kevin Durant wins tonight by at least 10 points. No, it's not going to happen.
4: What if he does, though?
3: Then he's the GOAT.
4: There's a lot of conversations out there being had about his place in NBA history and if he should be more elevated in that conversation about the greatest of all time. And if he does this without Harden and without Kyrie, throw him in that mix.
3: No doubt. I don't think you can put him in that conversation because of the team that he joined mm-hmm. in Golden State. But if he can carry this team past this series, I'm not going to give him one game. But if he comes back and uh, and carries this team past this, the, the Bucks. that'll be very impressive. Another thing about him, this might be the best rebound for a basketball player from an Achilles tear ever.
4: Ever. It's hard to believe that he suffered that very severe injury. Yeah. <laughs> from the 618 Take It or Leave It,
0: the Blues win another cup before the Cardinals win another World Series. That's a really good one. Yeah,
3: I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to take it. I, I, I'm going to leave it I, I don't know where the Blues window is, but man, it's hard to win a Stanley Cup. So hard. And it's obvious, obviously hard to win a World Series. But the Cardinals do have, with if they have Flaherty, they, they have a young team with youth on the way. And before long, they'll have a rotation that includes Flaherty and Libertor and, and Zach Thompson and Reyes. And they'll have Jordan Hicks down in the bullpen. And obviously they've got... Some pretty good young offensive players. O'Neill is ascending. Looks like Carlson is a good player. Tommy Edmond is a good player. And you have Aradato And hopefully Goldie will be able to maintain a semblance of what he was in the past. So I'm going to go with the Cardinals.
4: The Blues dealt with a lot of injuries. And the Cardinals are dealing with a lot of injuries. I think I look at the Blues and even with the injuries and pieces they were missing. They were still a playoff team. And I don't know if the Cardinals, missing the pieces that they are, are a playoff team.
3: No, they've got to get those guys back.
4: But my point is, when the team would be healthy, then I just think the Blues are that much more in a better position yeah. than the Cardinals are, even when they're fully healthy.
3: But if there were eight teams in the National League that were in the playoffs, rather than five, then the Cardinals would be in.
4: True, but I just like the Blues' chances better to, to get past a team.
3: And the fact that they've won... Maybe this team will be like the Blackhawks or the Kings within the last decade. I hope so.
4: Like I look at the Cardinals, I guess. And part of the reason that stops me is I think, are they really going to get past the Dodgers?
3: Yeah. That's, (laughs) that's the, the, you never know thing because there hasn't been a scenario yet where they haven't
0: great point from the three, one, four, take it or leave it. Matthew Libertor and Zach Thompson make their debut starts in 2021.
3: I'm going to leave that in terms of debut starts. Yeah, I I could see either of them, especially now, because Andrew Miller's been fine since he came off the IL and you have Cabrera, but Webb is in the minors. You'll probably need a lefty reliever at some point. So that wouldn't surprise me to see the Cardinals bring one of those guys up, especially if Libertor performs well on a big stage in the Olympics Mm -hmm. and they say, okay, yeah, he can do it up here.
4: Aren't you dying to see him in action? I am. I, I think
3: it'll be really fun.
0: It will. From the 217, take it or leave it. Most shakeup will
4: be the firing of Jeff Albert. I'm going to leave that.
3: Yeah, I'm going to leave that. Too. It, At that's this point, not something that's going to happen during the season. No.
4: At this point in the season, too, I, I don't think you point to him as the main issue or the thing that you need to shake up. They're they're just beat up.
3: Yeah, it's. Uh, what was going on with Harrison Bader falling on that ball? The person that is coaching proper falling technique needs to get fired that's right the person that is coaching getting out of the way of pitches that are coming at you needs to be fired
4: the person who made didn't make sure that the obliques were primed and not ready to get injured they need to be fired. and the backs (laughs) and the backs exactly
3: exactly so those people need to go before Jeff Albert because that's really affecting this ball club
4: it was interesting to see in the game last night though the footage of Jeff Albert and Goldie working in the in the uh, or pre-game working mm-hmm. together yeah that was in, you don't really get to see that a lot yeah.
3: thanks Emily thank you and thank you very much for your text to the air comfort service text line six seven eight oh coming up. Pretty disparate reactions to questions about sticky stuff from the Cardinals' Adam Wainwright and the Yankees' Garrett Cole. That's next on 101 ESPN.
1: We are right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Four in St. Louis, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler, Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker. And every week we have Adam Wainwright on the show on Wednesday, brought to you by Chick fil A. Mm-hmm. It's Wednesdays with Bueno. And last week Michelle asked Adam Wainwright about how he felt about everything that was happening with sticky substances in baseball. Obviously, Giovanni Gallegos had had his hat taken by Joe West and Adam admitted to us last week, unprompted, by the way, that, yeah, a couple of years ago, he had used a sticky substance. He did not like it, and he didn't use it anymore. Also, late last week, Yankees ace Garrett Cole was asked specifically whether he ever used the substance Spider-Tac. And have you
6: ever used Spider-Tac while pitching? Um, I don't... I don't know. I I don't know if, uh, I don't know quite. I don't quite know how to answer that, to be honest. Um, I mean, there are customs and practices that have been passed down from older players to younger players from the last generation of players to this generation of players. And, um, you know, I, I think, uh, I think there are some things that are certainly out of bounds in that regard, and and uh, I've stood pretty stood pretty firm in, in terms of that, uh, in terms of the communication between our peers and whatnot, um, you know. And and I again, like I mentioned earlier, there's you know this is important to a lot of people that love the game, and this is including including the players in this room, including fans, including you know teams. And so if MLB wants to you know legislate. Some more stuff. That's a conversation that we can have um, because ultimately we should all be pulling in the same direction on this.
4: So is that a yes?
3: (laughs) Sounds kind
4: of like a yes. You know what blows my mind about that response? And that's probably the 20th time I've heard that. And it makes me laugh every time is you are playing in New York you know that the New York media is going to ask you this question. You know if you're the PR staff of the Yankees, you have to warn them. You have to have this conversation. You have to have a prepared answer. I was watching the clip he played. It was about 25 seconds before he even started talking, really. And then he starts about talking about customs and practices that are p- passed down. He seemed genuinely taken aback or caught off guard that he would be asked about spider Tack when this is the most important thing happening in baseball right now, or at least the biggest conversation happening in baseball right now and your name has been attached to it how did you not think the New York media was going to ask you about this
3: so yesterday Sports Illustrated broke a story with actual texts from Adam Wainwright asking Bubba Harkins the Angels clubhouse guy for some of the substance that he was making up and compare what the reaction of Garrett Cole was to last night's question from Rick Hummel to adam wainwright about the sports illustrated story
7: i got nothing to hide commission i mean i mean you know the what bubba said is true I, i i tried it in 2019 honestly it didn't work for me you know i mean you can check the order i only had one order with that guy and uh you know i gave it away very soon afterwards so Uh, It's something that you have to apply and and go to every pitch. You'll never see me go to my arms or my my glove and touch that. I don't like doing any of that stuff. You know, I tried it. I didn't like it. I got rid of it, you know, and uh, haven't pitched with it in years. So Um, I got nothing to hide. You know, if that gets me in trouble because I did it years ago, then so be it. But. I pitched without it for however many years that is until 2019, and I pitched without it however many years since 2019 without it. So uh, I got nothing to hide. You can check my glove. You can check my hat. You can watch me like a hawk all game long. You'll never see me uh, with any of that stuff on me ever. So um, I got nothing to hide. You know, I feel good about that. I, I mean, the truth the truth shall set me free. We'll see. Maybe it, I don't know. Maybe it will or maybe it won't. But I, I have nothing um, – I have nothing more to add because there is there is nothing more to add.
3: Now, I see this with full knowledge that Rafael Palmero sat before Congress and said, I have not used steroids, wagging his finger mm-hmm. at the people that were questioning him. I have 100% faith in Adam Wainwright that he's telling the truth, that you can check him, and umpires can go out and check him every start, every pitch, and they won't find anything on his being that would allow him to get a better grip on the baseball.
4: Couldn't agree more. And for several reasons. One, because he brought it up to us unprompted. If you were doing something wrong or you did have something to hide, you wouldn't just bring up the fact that you had used it years Mm -hmm. ago. And he said one thing in there that really piqued my interest when he said, essentially, check the receipts I only had one order with him. If he's got all of this information and the texts and he's got the transactions, you'll see that. I only went to him one time. It's like, Randy, if someone's cheating on you in a relationship, if you go to Garrett Cole and you say, who's Vanessa? Why is she texting you? And he's like, uh, uh, there's a friend from work. I don't know. Adam Wainwright's like here's my phone, here's the passcode, go into all my texts. Here's my password for Instagram. You can check everything you need to to sleep well at night because I'm not doing anything bad. And it, it's just a, be, a difference in behavior that you can sense who does have something to hide and who doesn't.
3: A text from the 314, Wayne well, you know, obviously didn't learn from Mizzou about being honest. Deny, <laughs> deny, deny, says UNC.
4: <laughs> but I think in this situation, if you're Major League Baseball, Does Adam Wainwright feel like the person who was mentioned in this article that you need to go after? If he's forthcoming and saying, I did it once, I got rid of it, it didn't work for me, everything he said is true, check the receipts, I'm not using it now, the memo's coming out today. So if I'm looking at anybody else, it would be the people who maybe didn't give the best and most forthcoming answers who still might be using it today.
3: And watch the performances of Cole, Bauer, Scherzer, Uh, Well, you won't see Verlander, but those three specifically were named in the article. It'll be interesting to see how they perform over the next couple of weeks now that they know with Jeff Passan's story this morning, the baseball is issuing a memo that they can be suspended with pay granted, but they can be suspended if anything is found on the ball that they're throwing.
4: And when we spoke to Adam about this last week, he also mentioned that guys are going to their glove or that they're going for it every single pitch. Jacob deGrom. He said that it's it's they're not trying to hide it, these players. So I also think that you're going to be able to tell with a shift in physical behavior of a guy on the mound who you've probably seen do stuff like that prior who might not be doing it now. Or if they continue to do it, that's when a red flag is raised.
3: Are you worried about any Cardinals?
4: Um, I'm not worried about Adam Wainwright, but I I don't. I don't have anyone specifically that I'm worried about, but my only issue with it is if it's so prevalent in baseball and everybody was doing it and it seemed like everybody was on the same plane with this, why would we think that any Cardinals are exempt?
3: Look at their performance. (laughs) I'm just saying.
4: Just because you're using it doesn't mean that you're going to go out and be Jacob DeGrom every night.
3: Maybe that's the reason for the walks.
4: Maybe. (laughs) Maybe they just eradicated it from the clubhouse. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> but if Adam Wainwright, who's the veteran yeah. presence on your team and the leader on this team, was using it and had no problem using it, why wouldn't younger guys follow suit?
3: Right. Yeah, exactly. And the the second text that he said there's a couple of other guys here, can you when the Angels come into town, mm-hmm. this was when Albert came into town, can you bring some and we don't know if the Angels clubhouse guys brought it or not then, but because Adam wasn't buying it, it was for other players. So we just don't know. But it's a different team. There's a lot of different pitchers that weren't here in 2019 either. That's today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. Coming up, you're killing me, Smalls. We are right back to the Character and
1: Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
3: All right, it's time for...
2: You're killing me, Smalls.
4: You may have seen this on social media last night, Randy, but the Lakers announced that LeBron James is changing his jersey number. He's switching from number 23 back to number 6. This is because Space Jam, A New Legacy, is going to be released on July 16th. LeBron obviously starring in that, wearing that number in the movie. And we know that he wore 23 in Cleveland, then he switched to 6 when he went to Miami, then back to 23 to L.A., so it seems like he's just ping-ponging back in fourth, but he's going to be back to number six. Anthony Davis expected to keep number three because he wore number 23 at at one point.
3: This is obviously a money grab by LeBron and I, I would guess Nike. I don't know why they didn't allow him to switch to six last year when they got AD. He wanted to switch last year and they said, no, you have to buy all the 23 James jerseys that are out there. I don't know if he's going to buy them all now because he wanted ad to switch to 23 last year but he's fine in six he probably won't win a championship wearing six but uh he's fine in six they're both good and that was his olympic number Mm -hmm. and it's going to be a space jam number so that'll be fine
4: now do you think maybe he's switching to six or maybe six is coming back because he's in pursuit of six rings
3: oh that would make sense but is he I don't know. Yeah, Let's see. Yeah, I guess. He's trying to. Oh, isn't he in pursuit of five?
4: Right, but ultimately oh, six. Oh, ultimately
3: six. Oh, yeah, that could be, but that ain't going to happen either.
4: <laughs> you think there's zero chance?
3: No, no. it's uh,
4: What if Damian Lillard goes to the Lakers somehow?
3: LeBron is not LeBron anymore. LeBron can't play a whole season, and we, AD's entire career has been spent being injured the only championship he has was in the 50 game season 60 game season last year i don't know he can play six months so now you've got clay coming back to the warriors you've got the Suns who are ascending and Mm -hmm. really really good both the nuggets and the jazz are young and good there's just too many bumps in the road for the lakers i think
4: i think it's gonna be hard for him to win again but I also would not put it past him that he's already been having conversations with several players, GM LeBron trying to figure something out.
3: What if he'd take less money? Because the Lillard contract is prohibitive. And by the way, the Blazers have been asking Lillard about who they should hire as coach. So but that, I, that would tell me that there's a pretty good chance that he's going to stay there.
4: Or at least they're doing everything in their power to keep him. Yeah. If I'm LeBron, I would definitely take less money. Not only are you getting your Space Jam money and you're getting your endorsement money, he's making so much money with Spring Hill, their production group, with he and Maverick Carter. He's got income sources, revenue resources everywhere. And I know that getting paid a certain amount is obviously... Not only is he deserving of it, but it's an ego boost thing for a lot of players. Mm-hmm. They want to be paid a certain amount because they deserve it and they've earned it. But if I'm LeBron and I'm at this point in my career, I wouldn't let money be a prohibiting factor for the Lakers putting the best team around me. I'm just trying to win as many as I can at this point.
3: The yearly cash for Lillard, he has four years left at $39 million, $42 million, 45, and then forty-eight. And then from a performance standpoint, so that would be prohibitive for the Lakers, number one. But then from a a performance standpoint, if you're Portland, do you trade him to the Lakers? No. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. So if you want to go, you can go to the Eastern Conference, but you ain't going to stay here in the West and kill us.
4: True. And they would have to have, if they were ever going to move him, I don't know if they have the package to put well, together to entice no. Portland. And
3: not many teams in the league can take on that contract. It's a super max. Mm-hmm. And you have to absorb the whole thing. Basketball isn't like baseball where one team can give the other $51 million to take a guy.
4: But would you put it past LeBron to figure out a way to make it happen?
3: Nope. No, I wouldn't.
4: I <laughs> wouldn't either. You're killing me, Smalls. Randy, are you into the Westminster Dog Show? You're a dog oh, yeah. lover. I watched
3: a lot of that this weekend.
4: Well, did you happen to see a familiar face in the crowd? And I'm talking about Barry Bonds.
3: Uh, yeah, it, it wasn't that familiar because his head is about half the size it was when he played baseball. <laughs>
7: <Randy>. <laughs> but
3: he well, had a schnauzer. He Sis, did. His sister was uh, the trainer, right? Or um, the handler?
4: Yes, a miniature schnauzer. He has a dog named Rocky. And who knew that Barry Bonds was such a dog enthusiast? And... A miniature schnauzer of all dogs that you would associate with Barry Bonds, especially in a competition like this, I would have never guessed miniature schnauzer.
3: I would have not picked miniature schnauzer for him either, but it, w- it was a cute dog. And again, by the way, the golden retriever just gets absolutely robbed. <laughs> I-, I think the Pekinese won. It did. Yes. Black faced Pekinese won. Come on, the golden who gets the greatest response when they take the floor and start trotting it's always the golden retriever the public likes the golden retriever best it's the best looking dog it's always exceptionally well groomed and apparently these judges just have something against cute dogs
4: but the golden retriever is kind of like the Yankees you know that they're always going to be great they're going to look great Mm -hmm. but the Yankees aren't going to win every year
3: but the Pekingese come on that's like, I don't know. I thought it was kind of cute. It's kind of like the, the Rays winning the World <laughs> Series.
4: Yeah. And they should have.
3: Yeah, they aren't that cute.
4: The P, it, it just kind of bops around like, doo, 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 you know,
3: <laughs> you can't, no one
4: can see what I'm doing. It's
3: got a completely flat face. You
4: don't it's think like it's the, cute at all? I think there's something oh yeah, abnormal uh, about it that, that makes it cute. But
3: that one was a, a clearly very abnormal. But there are, heck, the, the Lab. There, there are so many dogs. The German Shepherd was a gorgeous dog. But the Golden got robbed.
4: Even if the Golden didn't perform well, you'd say it got robbed. Absolutely. Uh, by the way, Barry Bonds' dog Rocky ended up earning Select Dog Honors, which is essentially third place in the Best of Breed competition. Um,
3: this way... They haven't done the PED testing yet. I was going to ask you, do you test Rocky? <laughs> you have to.
4: <laughs> do you test Rocky? I think you have to too. But congratulations to Barry Bonds, yeah, who seemingly awesome. has a, a great post-playing career being a dog enthusiast. By
3: the way, you, you mentioned you wouldn't expect him. I, I would expect him to have like a a standoffish, jerky dog, like a husky or a samoyed or something like that.
4: I would. I would expect, yeah, a bigger dog, a boxer yeah. maybe. Mm-hmm a German Shepherd, something of that nature. Yeah. I don't expect a miniature Schnauzer.
3: No, I, I would expect a dog that's going to go off and lay and sleep in another room all day. Definitely. Because that's what essentially what Barry did as a player.
4: Or at least a dog that looks intimidating.
3: Yeah, right, which he also was. Yeah, no doubt.
2: You're killing me, Smalls.
4: Finally, Randy, some sad news out of the NFL. Uh-oh. Gardner Minshew has cut his mullet.
3: No, he
4: did. Field Yates tweeted it. He essentially shaved his head. It's not totally buzz, but he removed it. No one knows why, but I just think we need to take a moment, remember the beauty that was Gardner Minshew's mullet, and maybe pour one out for our fallen friend, the mullet.
3: That is so sad. I wonder if there was concern, perhaps even worry, that people would perceive that he didn't have the best hair. On, on the team, let alone the quarterback room
4: with Trevor Lawrence yeah that's actually a great suggestion because you're right there would have been many hair comparisons maybe he just or maybe the mullet was so striking that he didn't want it to be a distraction for Trevor
3: oh that might be because you don't want it Trevor well Trevor's already distracted. did you see that there's a young lady that is going around Jacksonville that looks exactly like Trevor Lawrence
4: <laughs> a young or lady
3: yeah no yeah and like he looks she, like a
4: Disney prince yeah he does he looks like an animated disney prince yeah prince charming totally. yeah he does he totally does
3: but there's a there's a girl that looks exactly like him and she's going and passing herself off as him
4: and people are buying it yep wow that's incredible i need to yeah. find that <laughs> that's yeah awesome so she probably gets some good perks
3: i would think so some tables a,
4: at restaurants yeah right yeah hey it's me trevor it's okay me. sure yeah it's me trevor <laughs> it's, hey can't wait to play <laughs> this year <laughs>
3: Thanks, Michelle. You got it. Coming up, we're going to visit with, actually, no, we're going to have the fight. That's coming your way next on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, Average Joe Listener.
4: Welcome back to Carrick Moment on this Tuesday. It is 8.32. That time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, which is an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And it's time for the fight. Randy's competition today is John. What's up, John? How are you on this Tuesday?
8: I'm great. How are you?
4: I'm doing well. Are you ready to take on Randy in the fight?
8: No, but we're going to give it our best. (laughs)
4: Where are you calling from today, John? South County. South County. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Thanks for playing and good luck to you. Thank you, ma'am. All right, question number one. The New York Rangers have hired Gerard Gallant as their new head coach. Which team was his first head coaching gig with? Was it the Florida Panthers, the Columbus Blue Jackets, or the Vegas Golden Knights?
0: Gallant. Um, Go Columbus. The Nets will be without both James Harden and Kyrie Irving for a big game five against the Bucks tonight with the series tied 2-2. Two to two. Kyrie Irving was taken as the number one overall pick in which NBA draft? Was it 2010, 2011, or
6: 2012? One uh, and done at Duke, right? And I'm a Duke fan, so I should know this. I'm going to say 20, uh, 2011.
4: All right, question number three for you, John. Who led the Marlins in home runs in 2020? Is it Brian Anderson? Is it Jesus Aguilar? Or is it Corey Dickerson?
6: Oh, man. Marlins and home runs. Uh, Dickerson had a good year. Go with Dickerson.
0: And Kwang Hyun Kim goes for the Cardinals tonight. Kim pitched in the KBO in South Korea before coming to pitch for the Cardinals. Which team did he pitch for? Was it the Samsung Lions, the SK Wyverns, or the Doosan Bears?
6: Uh, What was the first option again? Sorry.
0: The Samsung Lions, the SK Wyverns, or the Doosan Bears?
6: Well, I guess the Lions.
4: All right, checking our score. Randy's on his way back in. John, were you a KBO fan? Not at all. We were just talking about how during the pandemic, a lot of people jumped on the KBO bandwagon. I didn't really watch because a lot of the games were on when we were on the air, but Emily became a massive Dinos fan. I worked a lot of KBO games at ESPN <laughs> when I was up there, so.
6: The uh, 3 a.m. time slot's not for me.
4: John? Me either. I understand that. Randy, say hello to John.
3: John, good morning. How you doing? I'm um, well, sir. How are you? Everything's great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing.
4: Thank you. Ready, Randy? Ready. You were... Did You guys watch some KBO in your house, right?
3: Oh, yeah. Patrick is a huge Dinos fan, too. He's got so much Dinos gear, it's unbelievable.
4: Love it. Let's go. Yeah. Okay, so you might know one of these questions for sure, then. Question number one. The New York Rangers have hired Gerard Gallant as their new head coach. Mm-hmm. Which team was his first NHL head coaching gig with?
3: I believe it was with the Columbus Blue Jackets, then the Panthers, and then the Knights, and now this.
0: The Nets will be without both James Harden and Kyrie Irving for a big game five against the Bucks tonight with the series tied 2-2. Two to two. Kyrie Irving was taken as the number one overall pick in which NBA draft.
6: Hmm.
3: I'm going to say... I'm not really good with this, but I'm going to say that he's probably a 10-year guy. So I will go with him... Well, let's see. He. Okay, LeBron left after 2010. They were terrible in 2011. So I'm going to, I was originally thinking 2011. So I'm going to go with 2011.
4: Randy, who led the Marlins in home runs in 2020?
3: 2020 Marlins last year. That was a rather nondescript squad, wasn't it? Um,
6: hmm.
4: Bottom feeders.
3: Yeah, let's think here. They got Marte, but I don't think that he was the guy. Um, maybe this will pop into my head if you give me the lifeline. I'll go with the lifeline.
4: Brian Anderson, Hazus Aguilar, Corey Dickerson. Yeah, it doesn't help.
3: <laughs> um, but it seems... I don't know if Aguilar was that good last year. I'll go
0: with Brian Anderson. And Quang Hyun Kim goes for the Cardinals tonight. Kim pitched in the KBO in South Korea before coming to pitch for the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Which team did
4: he pitch for?
3: I'll go with the G- Giants.
4: Close fight on a Tuesday. Emily, ring it.
3: The winner
1: and still champion of the fight, Randy Character. Sponsored by Ryan Kelly and HeroLoan.com. Check out how they help veterans and service members at the new
3: and improved HeroLone.com. By the way, those teams are all, they aren't city names, they're corporate names. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to, and they change, there's one team that changes literally year to year.
4: That's confusing. Yeah. Difficult. But you still win, Randy. Congrats. Sorry, John. He edged you out three to two. Three to two. So, Gerard Gallant, his first NHL head coaching gig was with the Columbus Blue Jackets. He was with them 2003 to 2007. Kyrie Irving was taken as the number one overall pick in the 2011 NBA draft by the Cavaliers. Brian Anderson led the Marlins in home runs in 2020 with 11 last season. And... Um, Kim pitched for the SK Wyverns. Oh, the Wyverns, yes. SK Wyverns in the KBO. He was with them from 2007 to 2019.
3: Wow, 12-year career there. Yeah, with
4: the SK Wyverns. So, John, thanks so much for listening. Thanks for playing. We appreciate you.
3: Thank you. Have a good one. All right, John, have a great day. That's John with us on 101 ESPN. Michelle, tomorrow is Dunctionary Day. At Bush Stadium at the Ballpark Village. Only a few tables left. You can get them at 101ESPN.com. You can join us tomorrow for the day game on the Bud Deck at the Budweiser Brew House. You can grab one of the last few tables. Twelve fifteen game tomorrow. And each of your four tickets, get four buddies together. And your table will, uh, everybody will get a hot dog, a beer, and this is the most important thing, a Dunctionary shirt. And a portion of every table purchased is being donated to the Chris Duncan Memorial Scholarship Fund. We'll be broadcasting live from the Bud Deck, BKM Ferrario from 11 to 2, the Fast Lane from 2 to 6. Get all the Dunctionary Day details now at 101ESPN.com. And it'll be great. And uh, it's always great to go to a day game. It'll be a perfect day. And hopefully the Cardinals will be able to handle Sandy Alcantara. Hopefully. Adam Wainwright's favorite pitcher to watch. I know. And now you have the opportunity to watch him.
4: And here's the good news, is that if you come and hang out with us... On Dunctionary Day, even if the Cardinals can't handle him, we're going to have a great time.
3: Oh, it'll be an awesome time.
4: Some man sodas in the mix.
3: Yeah. Talking guess, about our
4: buddy Chris Duncan. It's yeah. going to be awesome.
3: BT is doing this series on TV, mm-hmm. but he'll probably stop by after the game and join his fast lane teammates, and that'll be a lot of fun. You could do the gauntlet over there.
4: Oh, yeah, that's right. A live version of the gauntlet, probably. That'd yeah. be super fun. Yeah, it'd be great. I would love to see that because I wonder if people are less confident in person. If you're on the phone, there's a barrier between you and whoever you choose to face in the gauntlet or between you and Randy Mm -hmm. when we do the fight. But if you choose, let's say, Brad Thompson and you want to go against him and talk baseball, if you're next to him, maybe you're a little intimidated.
3: It is very intimidating to be next to BT. True. Do you think Ira shows up to visit with Anthony?
4: He's a huge fan. If he has the opportunity to buy a table and not only hang out with Anthony, but watch him do the show live, I'm sure Ira will be there. Maybe they'll choose Ira for the gauntlet.
3: I don't think Anthony can think of anything creative enough to get us back.
4: Don't tempt him, Randy. Do not poke the bear. Anthony, if you're listening, which I know you are, I think you're creative and do not direct this ire towards me.
3: So you're thinking, so when we least expect it, we should expect it?
4: Yes, and I'm afraid right now. My heart rate just went up. I'm telling you, an Italian with a grudge, it could take him (laughs) years, Randy. He will lay in wait for years. He's
3: got the elephant memory?
4: Big time. And the next thing you know, boom, (laughs) something happens.
3: Yeah, we'll see. He'll probably get you rather than me.
4: Yeah, I'm super gullible. And I think I'm an easier target between the two yeah, of us. Come on. Yep. So uh, the real challenge, Anthony, again, if you're listening, is to get Randy.
3: <laughs> Dunctionary day tomorrow. Get all the info now and get your tickets at 101ESPN.com. Coming up, we're going to talk to our buddy Mike Claiborne. Cardinals get back home and they get a win under their belt. Talk about that and more next on 101 ESPN.
1: We are right back to the character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
3: two win last night over the miami marlins they'll play game two of the three game series tonight at the ballpark Mike claiborne will be part of the broadcast he was doing the play-by-play last night on kmox it was it's always great to hear michael involved with uh, cardinal baseball and it's always great to have michael with our show here on 101 espn and he's on the brown and crouppen celebrity line and mike everybody in st louis thought about you yesterday on flag day
8: well, good morning. Uh, I'll tell you what was funny about that. I'm talking to John Moselock yesterday, and he says, "Yeah, my wife reminded me today is Flag Day." So, when you can get to the first layer of the Mosaic family, then you you know you're in tall cotton, as far as I'm concerned. But you know, it it, it kind of started a few years ago. Um, and, and for people who don't know what Flag Day means, you know, the first two and a half months is what I call an evaluation period. For your baseball team, and by now you know what you have and you know what you need uh, because you've experienced injuries, bad weather, hot streaks, cold streaks, people who have surprised you and how well they played, people who've disappointed you and how poorly they played. So you've got a real feel for what your ball club looks like, and you know what you're going to need in order to improve it, and you have time to fix it in order to compete because the Cardinals have been in situations like this before and have gone on to have a successful post-Flag Day record. So uh, plenty of time to get it done, but now we know we can zero in on certain players and uh, see what happens.
4: All right, Claibs, I want your Flag Day evaluation for the Cardinals. What do the Cardinals have, and what do they need?
8: Well, they have some skill. They have some talent. Obviously, on the corners with Goldschmidt and Arenado has been everything we'd ever hoped for. Uh, We have youth. Uh, we watch Dylan Carlson every night, and you know he he 's still growing into being an everyday big leaguer uh I think the emergence of Tyler o'Neill's been a pleasant surprise to say the least, and I think Tommy Edmond has almost made us forget about how good colton Wong was in the lead off spot and certainly playing second base. You know Tommy Edmond can play everywhere it seems like, so those are the pluses, and you know you you can't go any further without talking about yachty How about last night? <laughs> And what he was able to do and being a difference maker in the game. So you've you got those things in place. Here are your concerns. Pitching. You don't have enough of it. Uh, I think Oviedo is going to be a very, very good pitcher in this game, but he's learning how to pitch at the big league level. Because you don't have enough, he probably would be in Memphis trying to hone his skill a little bit more, but you don't have enough. So you gotta you got to find a way to shore that gap. And I'm not talking about getting somebody else's fifth starter. I'm talking about getting somebody who's a middle rotation guy, who's got some experience, who can get some things done. Uh, you probably want to push your bullpen back a little bit, you know, and, and really kind of find some guys who can give you length. And I think one of the other concerns is you've you got to find somebody who can swing the bat from the left side with some consistency uh Cardinals have held on to Matt Carpenter and he's shown some flashes here recently. You don't want to overlook that. But you know, other than Matt Carpenter and Justin Williams who's trying to rehab and get back from the minors uh after being on the injured list, you don't have anything else. There's nobody in the organization that's ready big league ready. Now, I know everybody thinks about Nolan Gorman, but Nolan Gorman's not ready to face big league pitching at this stage of his young career. So those are some of the, the observations. Those are some of the, the compliments, and there are some of the needs that this team is going to need if they plan on playing deep in October. And I say deep in October. You know, one and done, we, we've we all been there, done that. I think we know we can be a better team than what we were.
3: And, Claybs if you get to September and you're playing the Cubs or the Brewers in September, and for example, you're going up against... Uh, Brandon Woodruff, you want to have a front-of-the-rotation guy. And uh, as great as Adam Wainwright has been, Jack Flaherty is a number one. You, uh, against Burns and Woodruff, you want to have Flaherty and Wainwright. You, even if you get a middle-of-the-rotation guy, if you get a Kyle Gibson, you have to have a healthy Flaherty if your team's going to succeed.
8: Yeah, There's there's no question, Randy. And, and I, I think also you really have to up that notch and have a 1A. Because you want to go into a series with Milwaukee facing two of your best guys, especially on the road. I think we know Wayno is as good as there is in baseball at home. Mm-hmm. Road trips, a little different. So you, you've got to make sure you've got a, a rotation that's spread out enough where you're not crossing your fingers when you go into Milwaukee or Wrigley Field and just hoping for the best. Because if you think back, when the season started, we thought Wayno was a fourth guy in the rotation. Now he's your 1A, and now he's basically your 1. And so when you have to have him move up that far, then you've got some other issues of concern that I think you have to address.
4: I keep thinking to myself when I watch Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina go out and have games like they have last night, where would this team be without them? It's hard to believe that we were having discussions for months that they might not even be with the Cardinals, but then I spin it forward and I think about the future and I know I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but I just wonder what the complexity of the Cardinals would look like if they didn't have an Adam Wainwright or Yadier Molina next season.
8: That's a great question. Uh, and I, I think, Michelle, you can extend that to what is your pitching rotation going to look like next year. I mean, you got an option on Carlos. Uh, KK's uh, unrestricted. Uh, we don't know about Miles Michaelis. I mean, I, I have no idea what his future looks like. And then you have Wayno. Uh, you're going to have Dakota Hudson back, but he's coming off of Tommy John, so we don't know how that's going to look. So I, I think there's a whole bunch of questions between now and certainly spring training of next year that have to be answered this year. Because I don't think you want to go into the offseason with so many question marks over your head.
3: Do you want Alex Reyes to start in 2022?
8: Ooh. I, I really think it depends on how much more protection you have in your bullpen. I, I think it really depends on what we see out of Jordan Hicks this year, mm-hmm. if we see him. Uh, And and I really think you need to have – you know, the way we use bullpens now, you don't have specialists anymore. You have to have a guy that can give you at least two innings at least twice a week, if not three. And so in that situation, you've got Gallegos, you've got Cabrera. Those two guys have certainly stepped up. I think Ryan Helsley is still more of a thrower than he is a pitcher, but he's starting to make progress, which means you're going to still have to go out and look for someone – and I don't think it can be any kids. I think you have to find one more veteran who understands how that role works. So, you know, again, a whole lot of question marks and a whole lot of things that are going to have to be addressed uh, with this team because they, they have some work to do.
3: Hey, Klaibs, this is how times have changed. And I, I know it's a different game, but I always like to reflect on this. You talk about getting two inning pitchers. On this week in 1982 – June 14th, Bruce Suter, two innings. June 15th, two innings. June 18th, an inning and a third. June 20th, an inning and the third. June 21st, two innings. And June 26th, an inning. Hey, your closer win two innings on a regular basis when Bruce Suter was your closer.
8: Well, you know what that says, Randy? That today's generation missed some hell of a baseball games in that era. Uh, and, and, you know, we, we're kind of going back to it a little bit where, you know, I think games can be decided in the seventh and eighth innings more than the ninth. And you remember we used to have the Fireman Award, you know, Al Rabowski yep. a couple of times, where you came in the game earlier than the ninth inning. You know, we got so consumed with, well, he's got to start out the ninth clean. He's got to start the inning. You know, you had closers that, that were insisted that's how they'd have to enter games. Well, in that era, you know, you hey, listen, we have runners at first and third with one out and we're in the eighth inning or we're in the seventh inning, we need our best pitcher to come in and put this fire out. We're starting to see that more, and I think in Reyes' case, he, he's shown that ability to stretch out. Uh, I know he wants to start, but he's having a whole lot of fun doing what he's doing now.
3: Let me just give you one more. You remember the Sandberg game, of course, in 1984. Souter threw three and a third and faced 15 hitters. <laughs> You're closer. <laughs>
8: <laughs> we we have long relief guys that couldn't get that done. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's amazing. And, and we're not talking about guys who were throwing 100 miles. an hour. No. Bruce Suter had a nice fastball and a very good splitter that guys didn't know how to handle. Uh, and, and I just think that – and I asked Mike Schilt this question the other day. Do you think the pendulum will swing back to pitchers who don't necessarily have this incredible velocity – but maybe has better control and maybe has a little bit more durability where they're not having a max effort pitch every time they wind up. He thinks it's going to take some time, but I think that's where we're going to have to go in in order to survive. Yeah.
4: Sorry about that, Claves. I always love to ask you about things that are going on in baseball, the the topic of the times. And right now it's foreign substances Uh. on the baseball. Well, Major League Baseball is expected to announce today that it's going to suspend players caught with any foreign substances for 10 10 days with pay. Just what's your reaction to that? Do you think that that's going to be an effective strategy for Major League Baseball to help curtail this?
8: Well, think about this, Michelle. If you if you're not nice on the job and, you know, you spill coffee on Randy's laptop or something and they give you 10 days off and they say, oh, Michelle, it's OK. Take the time off. We're going to still pay you. So book that trip to Cancun, book that trip to the Bahamas. It's OK. You can come back. You know, I, I appreciate what they're trying to do, but I think the punishment, what, what is the punishment? You sit in the dugout or you sit at home and you take your family to the water world because you're still going to get a paycheck. So how is this trying to enforce the rules? You, and, and I know that they're saying, well, the players, you know, kind of stood up for this and the owners don't want more consternation as they go into a CBA negotiate. Hell, they don't like each other anyway. So what difference does it make? This, if you want to clean up the game, you have to create some legitimate discipline. I, I think this is kind of a joke, where it'll be the wink-wink, nudge-nudge, and, and watch how many teams start to play with their roster as far as players on and players off if they need a guy to get a blow. Uh, I, I think mm-hmm. it, the, the the intent was good, but the end result is embarrassing, in my opinion. I, I think they could have done much better than this. A couple because more the only them. thing that hurts a player is his money. That's all they want. That's right. And I don't blame Agreed.
5: them. Yeah.
8: You, know, you can – you can tell a guy to go stand in the corner and write on the blackboard, I will not throw foreign substance 10,000 times. And he says, okay, you're still going to pay me, right? Yep. <laughs> All right, well, here we go. Do you have enough chalk? So, I mean, it's one of those things where it's kind of a wink, wink, nudge, nudge, and you're trying to say, yeah, we just showed them that we mean business. It's, it's, it's unfortunate, to say the least.
3: There's a couple more things. Number one, do you think that Tyler O'Neill should be in the home run derby in Denver?
8: No. I don't want to see him get hurt. And, and... I don't want O'Neal having an oblique because he, he tried to crush a ball. Uh and I'm being selfish here because we, we've seen him get hurt a couple of times this year. And how many guys have we seen participate in that thing, Randy? Just fizzle out the second portion oh. of the season.
3: S- Scott Rowland?
8: I want Tyler O'Neill yeah I want Tyler O'Neil on a couch somewhere or in the weight room or whatever he likes to do in his spare time. I don't want him anywhere near a home run derby. I'd love to see him in the all star game, but i don't i don't he doesn't need to prove anything to me on how far he can hit baseball.
3: And then uh, Alcantara goes for the Marlins tomorrow. And the Cardinals loved Sandy Alcantara when he was here. He had to give up something for Ozuna. Ozuna hit three twenty-four with 37 homers, 124 RBIs the year before the Cardinals acquired him, and they had to give something up. But Alcantara has become a guy who, for a good team, is maybe one of the top half-dozen starters in the National League.
8: He is. And, and you know what? We, we knew him as a thrower, but we all knew he, could, he was going to eventually learn how to pitch. And now he's really starting to emerge into the player that I think we all hoped he would be when he was a Cardinal. And I think the Miami, they got a steal out of the deal. I mean, you know, obviously Ozuna's numbers at the time certainly warranted uh, asking for Alcantara. But, man, he he's fun to watch. Uh, and he's more than just a guy who throws 95-plus. He, he's worked on some of his control. And uh, we'll have our hands full on Wednesday when he's on the mound for sure.
3: Waino told us last week that Alcantara's changeup is his favorite pitch in
8: baseball. Well, he's got a good one. And, and, you know, one of the things about the change-up, if you can control your fastball and just show the fastball for a strike uh, and and locate it well, that that change-up is even more lethal because hitters can only cover so many portions of the plate as far as what to look for and what to do with it. And when you've got something like what he has and, and he's got a really nice slider to go along with it, He's a handful, and he can be around for a long time. Well, he'll be around until he starts to pay, cost him too much, and then Miami will move him like they do everybody else. Yes, they Maybe will. they'll give him back to us.
3: Yeah, that would be a nice little uh, bonus for Cardinal fans, absolutely. Klavs, always great to hear your voice. Uh, what's going on with com this week?
8: Well, we've got a visit with John Jay, one of my favorite Cardinals, Olympian John Jay, who is. was uh, – Uh, tried out for the Olympic team, made the team. They qualified. Uh, So it's a unique story on how he found himself in the Olympics. So we're going to talk about that, talk about his great experience with the Cardinals and how they really developed him into the player and the professional that he is, and uh, also what's next for him. So uh, I had a lot of fun talking with him about that, so I encourage everybody to go to the site. It'll be up, I believe, tomorrow, and uh, you can take a listen to John Jay. He's a father now, and... You know, it's great to be a world champion, but to have perhaps an Olympic gold medal to go along with a World Series ring, uh, that that's a pretty good accomplishment for a baseball career.
3: Pretty awesome. And great hearing you on the broadcast. It was fun to hear you doing the play-by-play last night. We'll talk to you soon. Have a great day and appreciate the time as always.
8: Kids, have a great week. Stay cool and just have fun. And uh, happy Flag Day to everybody. <laughs> and let's enjoy the rest of the season. You
3: bet. See you, Mike. Take care. That is... Uh... Mike Claiborne, our friend, great guy, and you'll hear him on the Cardinal broadcast tonight on the Mighty Mox.
4: You know that people are denoting flag day if John Mozalak's wife reminds oh, him.
3: Everybody knows. It's Flag Day. Yep. <laughs> Coming up, Mike mentioned that the Cardinals need to go out and find a starter. Well, who might be out there? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> It's 9.05 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler, Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker, and Mike Claymore mentioned in our last segment that he'd like to see the Cardinals go out and get a mid-level starter. Michelle, yesterday, MLB.com had a list of 10 stars, possibly on the market, and if they could be fits for a contender. Obviously, number one on the list is Max Scherzer, who tweaked a groin on Friday night against the Giants, left after 12 pitches, he felt discomfort in the groin yesterday in a bullpen, says he won't make his starts tomorrow. And in addition to being 36 and having a groin injury, and we know how iffy groin injuries can be, but he's also implicated in the Stickham situation. So you really have to watch how effective he is, I believe, before you make a deal for him. You have to watch what he does over the next month.
4: You do, absolutely, especially because we haven't, really heard him come out and talk about this in the manner in which we heard Adam Wainwright come out and say I'm not using it anymore. So maybe he's not using it anymore. We don't know that yet but is it wrong that even despite the SI article, despite the groin, despite the money, I'm still in no way scared of Max Scherzer or deterred from wanting the Cardinals to pursue him?
3: Still throws hard this year, 5-4 and four with a 2.21 He strikes out a ton of hitters He's won three Cy Young Awards The only concern I would have is as you get older injuries like that have a tendency to linger that would be my only concern but yes if the Cardinals could get him Max Scherzer would be my top choice definitely
4: imagine having a a healthy Jack Flaherty and a Max Scherzer if you go into postseason play I also think you bring in a guy like that it just changes the air of the clubhouse Mm -hmm. in so many ways not only are you telling this team hey we're going out there and we're making a move because we believe in you guys but we believe we can win and that amplifies a team in so many different ways and obviously from a fan perspective and from a media perspective, we would love having the native St. Louis and the Mizzou guy back in town, but I just think he would be such an incredible addition to the Cardinals.
3: Number two on the list is another Mizzou product, Kyle Gibson of the Rangers, who's having far and away his best season. He's got a 2.13 earned run average. He's got 58 strikeouts and 12 starts. He's 33 years old. And the only concern I have about him is, is what we have seen in the first half from him, the first third of the season. Mm Is that a mirage? Because he's never pitched close to what he's doing right now. And if you want a middle of the rotation guy, his 162 game averages, Michelle 4.43 earned run average. He's essentially a 500 pitcher. He does give you innings though, over 162 games on average. He gives you 194 innings. So that's one thing that the Cardinals are looking for.
4: Yeah, they certainly need innings, but I'm with you with Gibson. I just wonder if it's fool's gold because he certainly had a difficult 2020, but I also don't know with which players should throw 2020 out. It was such a weird season for so many different people that I don't know which one's more close to reality for him.
3: Now let's look at some of the others. Number three on the list is Herman Marquez. I know the Rockies don't have a general manager at the moment, but their owner is not going to allow another trade with the Cardinals after <laughs> no. what happened last time. The the Reds are not, not and the Reds right now, by the way, are ahead of the Cardinals in the division. They aren't trading Sonny Gray to the cardinals. The Orioles have said they they want to keep John Means. They think they're closer than a lot of people uh, believe they are even though he did have a no-hitter earlier. He's 4 and 2 with a 2.28 and right now is on the IL with a sh- left shoulder strain, which would be a red flag for me uh, for any young any pitcher who has a shoulder injury. Danny Duffy is le- dealing with a left forearm flexor strain, apparently about to come off the DL, the IL. But again, the left forearm flexor strain. Now, Michael has had a right forearm flexor strain. Exactly. And, and we have what we have.
4: He hasn't made a start since May 12th.
3: Right. Matthew Boyd of the Tigers, the left-hander. He's been iffy. He's 3-6 and six with a 3.44. He's 30 years old now. He's been a really uh, sought-after guy for several years. He might be a good fit for the Cardinals. My concern would be is his control good enough to turn around what the Cardinals are dealing with in terms of walks.
4: He's under contractual control through 2022 as well.
3: Right. Which is something the Cardinals look for is control. Michael Pineda from the twins. We know what he has been with the Yankees. He's apparently back from his big injuries that caused him to miss a couple of years, but he does have right elbow inflammation right now. He's on the 10 day IL Pineda and barrios from the twins both logical guys for the cardinals to pursue madison bumgarner not logical for the cardinals to pursue has a huge contract left and tyler anderson go ahead
4: i was just say if the money wasn't there though even though he's been dealing with shoulder inflammation if the money was out i would be intrigued by him
3: big game guy mm-hmm. definitely and tyler anderson of the pirates who's got a four and a half era 31 years old 61 strikeouts in 12 starts I don't know that he's the middle of the rotation guy. I think he's a back of the rotation guy. The other player that wasn't listed here, the other pitcher, is Brad Keller, the youngster for the Royals. And they have a lot of young pitching on the way. And with their pitching depth, Keller might be the guy that can fill some innings for you and be a middle of the rotation guy.
4: I just wonder about the position that the Cardinals are in. Because pitching is always at a premium, but this season, more than ever, Mm -hmm. with so many injuries. And I just wonder... A, if there's a guy that is the right fit with what they're looking for, and B, if they can compete out there on the market.
3: That's the thing, because there are so many desperate teams with a lot better prospects, young prospects, than the Cardinals have, because the Cardinals have traded a dozen guys for Ozuna, Goldschmidt, and Arenado over the last four years. They've traded a dozen prospects who all have made it to the major leagues. So you don't have as many as teams that haven't gone out and tried to get those star players of the last few years.
4: Yeah, they're in a precarious position.
3: That's Michelle. I'm Randy, and that is today's big thing here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, Eli Drinkwitz killing it on the recruiting trail for Mizzou. Dave Matter of STL today in the Post-Dispatch. We'll talk about it next with us on 101 ESPN. We are right
1: back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
3: Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Carricker. It is Carricker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Dave Matter has been doing a fantastic job of covering Mizzou sports for years with the post-dispatch at stltoday.com, before that with the Columbia Columbia Tribune. And so he's seen a lot from Mizzou football over the years. And Dave is with us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Dave, it's always good to talk to you. How are you doing?
9: Doing well, guys. Thanks for having me.
3: And uh, love your piece at stltoday.com about – the recruiting job that Eli Drinkwitz is doing right now. And I want to start with this because you mentioned that it, it could be the busiest recruiting month in modern college football history for Mizzou. Are they right now at the top of their game ever in terms of recruiting?
9: If not the best ever, they're, they're right there. You know, it, it does remind me a little bit of, you know, when, when Gary Pinkle first got to Missouri, he got a little bit of a bump, the new guy bump especially in the St. Louis area, and they really cleaned up around the state. They did that again a couple years later, and we're getting all the high-profile players in, in not just St. Louis, but Columbia, Kansas City, um, you know, across the, the border in, in East St. Louis or across the Kansas border, the players over there. It, it reminds me of that, but, but maybe on a little bit different scale because there's so much more, I think, scrutiny and attention because we've had this dead period for so long. And now they're trying to cram everything basically into this month of June of doing all these visits and, and hosting you know, players on campus. Um, it's, it's just kind of a wild time. And I think this staff is really capitalizing on it and, and have just been relentless in trying to get guys on campus, meet people for the first time, um, and, and then hopefully, you know, for their sake, produce results.
4: What's allowing them to be so persistent and successful? Because they're they're not only just acquiring talent, they're flipping players and convincing them that Mizzou is the place to be and the place that they'll win. So, what's allowing Eli Drinkwitz to do that?
9: I think it starts at the top. I mean, he's a guy with a lot of energy and charisma. I know he, when, when you guys have him on your show, you can you can tell that um, you know right from the start. And that's just who he is. I think he's a natural at recruiting. He knows how important it is. You know, he's been at big time sec programs before when he was at auburn and he saw you know up close uh you know how they were able to translate recruiting into a national championship back when he was just a young pup on that staff um so he gets it and yeah i think he surrounded himself with with assistant coaches who get it as well and they have that charisma and that energy and and really they have a great sales pitch right now they've got a lot to sell they've got um Outstanding facilities. the the brand new. It still feels new. It's only barely two years old. The South End Zone complex. They've got this new practice facility that's not completed yet, but it will be done at the end of the twenty twenty two season, um which is going to be a real asset for them. I, I think what they did on the field last year uh, is something you can really sell. Hey, you you had a you had inherited a, a ten game only SEC schedule, held your head above water for the most part, went five and five, and showed some real progress and offensively he's got an exciting offense i think that you can you can sell and that you can tell players hey this is this is, this will be good for you this kind of system but also um it's a system that needs some playmakers so if you want to play right away you want to be part of this come on board so i, I think he's just got a lot going for him right now and uh, i think that's helped create sort of this energy and this momentum
3: Dave Matter of the Post-Dispatch and stltoday.com with us on 101 ESPN. Dave, another thing that Eli has done is rather than uh, say woe is me about having so many players enter the transfer portal, he's embraced the transfer portal. And granted, he's lost some guys, but he's also really helped his team for 2021 with the transfer portal, hasn't
9: he? Yeah, I think there's been a net gain there. Yeah, Missouri has lost a lot of guys going back to Last fall that entered the portal, but that's that's really to be expected uh, when you have a, a coaching transition. You know, I, I think most of those guys probably wouldn't have played for this team this year unless they absolutely had to. Um, you, they lost a few key players or, or some former starters um, that won't necessarily be really easy to replace. But I think again, I think it's a net gain as far as what they brought in if you include Mookie Cooper there, the freshman from. Ohio State, who was all over the field in spring football, and I think we'll have a pretty good role on the team this year. Uh, they just added a, a starting cornerback, a uh, Caleb Evans, who has been uh, in and out of the starting lineup at University of Tulsa. A good American Athletic Conference team for the last four years, so he's a veteran, a plug and play type player. Um, you know, they added a linebacker uh, back in the, in the winter, who will be, I think, he's on campus now and uh, can play this year from Rice and Blaze Aldridge. So they're 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 really addressing their needs via the transfer portal, finding guys that they can bring on campus and plug in right away. And that's what the smart teams, that's how they're approaching the portal. Um, they, they, like you said, you're going to lose players. It's inevitable. Everybody is going to, because the, the easy access players have to leave. And and that's great for the players, but it's also that door swings both ways. You can go out and get players too. So Mm -hmm. I think they've, I think they've done a nice job of that.
4: So I'm sure, Dave, a lot of Mizzou fans listening to this are going to ask themselves, okay, but what about success on the field? When is this going to translate into Mizzou being the program that we want them to be? Obviously, last year, Eli Drinkwitz exceeding expectations. He's hot on the recruiting trail right now. But what are real realistic expectations for this Mizzou program this season?
9: Yeah, that's a great question because you can talk about all the good stuff and the momentum and all that in the off season, but once you kick off, then it's time to win some games. And you know, I I don't think people will be thrilled with another just five hundred record, especially because now you throw in non conference games, and it's going to be a more realistic uh, type schedule for for the regular season. But that said, I think it's a I think it's about as favorable of a SEC schedule as you can have. Um, You know, the non conference you've got one test out at Boston College. Uh, you've got a, a week two big test at Kentucky um, but other than that I, I think it is pretty manageable I think Missouri is will be the pick third in the SEC East behind Florida and or, or Georgia and Florida um, but from there I, I really think you've got a lot of winnable games not maybe some toss-up games Missouri won a lot of close games last year I think sometimes people forget that um, and and those games could have swung either way on one or two plays um, but I, I think a full year, a full off season with his offense, able to put things in with a new defensive staff, a new defensive system. I I think they can be super competitive this year. I I don't think there's any reason to expect this team can't win eight games, maybe nine, um, starting to close that gap on the, on the other best teams in this division and, and playing a nice bowl game.
3: Dave, nine and a half years ago, Gary Pinkle and his staff were able to convince Doriel Green Beckham to come to Mizzou. He was the number one, receiver in the country. And instead of going to Arkansas, he decided that he was going to go to Mizzou. Now Mizzou is on this side of the state. Once again, the number one receiver in the country is rated by rivals. Luther Burton has already committed to Oklahoma. What are Mizzou's chances of being able to flip him?
9: I think they've got a shot. Now there's going to be really strong, fierce competition. You know, Luther has already set up other visits around the country he yes he is committed to Oklahoma um, but you know he's still looking other places he was at Missouri a couple of weeks ago he's gonna be back later this month he was just at Ole miss you know he's gonna go see Alabama he's gonna go see Georgia uh, I believe he's gonna see uh, Indiana he's gonna see Florida so he's I- the people that follow the recruiting stuff on a on a day by day, hour by hour basis, believe that this will go down to the wire, but feel good about Missouri's chances. But Drinkwitz is the only coach in America that can sell proximity to him and his family, and say, "Hey, um, everywhere else you're going to have to get on a plane or have a really long drive to go see him play." At, not at Mizzou. You're, you're less than two hours away. Um, you know, you're you're right there. You can be the number one receiver the day you step on campus. You can be a star because you come from the, from the, the home state, or right from the backyard there, whereas you go to Alabama or Ohio State or Georgia or Oklahoma, yeah, you can still be a star. You can make it in the NFL, but, but it's different because you're, you're, in, you're a bit of an outsider. So that's the sales pitch. It's the same thing that Gary Pinkle used for the best in-state recruits uh, when he was able to get them, whether that's DGB or Blaine Gabbert or Sheldon Richardson. This guy is of that caliber, five-star guy. And, and I, I do think Missouri will be in this for a while. I don't think he's going to make any kind of quick decisions on, on where he's going to end up.
4: Speaking of Blaine Gabbert, Dave, Mizzou always has intriguing quarterback um, guys in the in their program. So I want to talk about Connor Bazelak really quickly. What are your thoughts about him heading into the 2021 season?
9: I, I really like what he did last year. Uh, now his numbers were, were good in some areas, really high completion percentage, had a couple big yard games, didn't throw many touchdowns. I, I think that was more a reflection of the offense um eli has said it numerous times this offseason he was more conservative he wanted to control the clock um you know lean on that veteran running back like larry roundtree didn't feel really great putting the ball in the air a lot of times some of that was they just didn't have great receivers they didn't have elite guys um but i think this year they'll open it up a little bit more and i think he's he's perfectly suited for this role because he's he's so poised he's smart the blood pressure doesn't get too high um, you know, I, I, I just think he has got a lot of really good traits. Everybody wants to get excited for the future. You've got Tyler making on the roster for East St. Louis. They've got a commitment from four star quarterback from Georgia, Sam horn, but I, I don't think Connor Bay's is going anywhere anytime soon. I mean, he, he's still eligibility wise. He's just a red shirt freshman this fall um, because of the, 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 extra year that everybody got. So I, I think he's got a ton of potential. I think he can be one of the better quarterbacks in the sec and I, I just really like his demeanor. I mean, the guy doesn't – you you wouldn't know, you know, the old cliche, but you wouldn't know if you're winning by three touchdowns or you're down by three just when you watch him play. And he he gets it. For a young guy, I I think he's got a lot of those qualities you look for.
3: Dave, Eli got mad at me when I said, you know, he could be the guy, the quarterback that every year comes out of nowhere that the NFL falls in love with. You could have a freshman go to the NFL. And Eli said, don't you put that evil on us. (laughs) Uh, But that's just the way he is. But it's a weird situation to have a third-year freshman. Uh, A totally unprecedented situation, I would guess.
9: It is, because you got a combination of rules. They passed that rule a couple years ago where if you – if you play four games or less that year doesn't count. Well, he played I think two games his true freshman year, so he comes back the next year and he's still a freshman. And then obviously with the extra year, you know, even though he played every game last year, um, started nine of them or eight of them, you know, it, it didn't count. So he's he's a junior in college wise. I, he may be you know I think he's twenty years old. Um, you know, he's been around for the program, the Eli program, as long as anybody, uh, and he actually knows him probably. M- Probably has known him more longer than anybody on the team because Drinkwitz recruited him to NC State when he was, uh, you know, when he when he was the offensive coordinator there. So again, I think he's got a lot going for him. I I, I think he's got a chance to be, have a really good, um, you know, third year in the program. Dave Matter, always good to hear
3: your voice. Thanks so much for the great information and the great work you do at the Post Dispatch and stltoday.com. We'll talk again soon. Okay, thanks, guys. Thank you. Dave Matter with us on 101 ESPN. Coming up, Stephanie Epstein wrote the Sports Illustrated article yesterday about Bubba Harkins, got access to him. She joins us next with Kerry Car- Smallman on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the Character and Smallman
3: podcast
1: on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
3: Bell's Mom and Randy are with you on 101 ESPN. And yesterday, I know you've seen it already. If you haven't, you need to go to SINow.com. Stephanie Apstein and Alex Pruitt at SI had a revealing piece about the sticky substances used on baseballs. And they got Bubba Harkins, the former Angels employee who mixed his special sauce to talk. And Stephanie is with us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Stephanie with Michelle Smallman, this is Randy Carricker. Good morning and thanks for taking some time. Good
10: morning. Thanks for having me.
3: Well, first of all, he, this guy, uh, Bubba Harkins, had been let go by the Angels in spring training of 2020. How long have you been working on trying to get him to talk to you? Uh,
10: a couple of months. We, we first reached out uh, January or February and then sort of talk to him over the over the next few months.
4: And Stephanie, one of my takeaways from the article is it seems like Bubba Harkins is unfairly the fall guy for this in baseball. It seems like this was something that was widely known and widely used with pitchers in Major League Baseball, but he somehow became the scapegoat.
10: Yeah, I think a lot of people feel that way. Uh, Harkins certainly does. And then I think a lot of basically everyone we talked to uh, said that they felt like, yes, he did do the thing he's accused of doing, but that's what was happening everywhere. Uh, you know, he was making this sticky substance, but almost every player was using it, both on the Angels and across the league, or, you know, many players were using it. And it was sort of, an, it was such an open secret that they were sort of caught off guard that suddenly this became, they felt a problem.
4: So, Stephanie, why then? Why Bubba Harkins?
10: No one quite knows the answer to that question. I think. I mean, I guess the league maybe does and the Angels maybe do, but Bubba doesn't know people in the, uh, within the sport aren't sure. It, it seems like the, uh, the league sent out a memo last March saying, or maybe it was the end of February, saying that uh, that no you know, team employees could help distribute sticky stuff. And so that seems to have spurred the Angels to act right then, but it's not clear why he was fired rather than told to knock it off.
3: Stephanie Epstein of Sports Illustrated with us on 101 ESPN. You would think that they would go to the the, the pitchers that are using the stuff too, and they're going to now. But how did he become the source? How, how did Bubba Harkins become the source for a substance for these premier major league pitchers?
10: Well, he says it happened pretty organically. That as the visiting clubhouse manager, you're especially before the CBA changed the rules a little bit you mostly, most of your uh, income comes from dues. The clubhouse dues paid by the opposing players. So in some ways, they're really more your employer than the Angels. Um, but initially, it was that Troy Percival, an Angels pitcher, he says, uh, asked him for a soda can and then poured the soda down the drain and cut the can in half and used it to, uh, to sort of cook added, you know, pine tar and solid pine tar and a couple of other things, and then uh, took a lighter underneath it and cooked it down and then poured it into a can. And the next couple of years, he was just, Bubba was just the guy who kept bringing him soda cans. But once uh, Troy Percival left the team to go to the Tigers, Bubba says that a bunch of other Angels pitchers said, hey, you know, we loved Troy's stuff, but now he's gone. You know how to make it. Will you make it for us? And he said he said, Sure, yeah, I could do that. And then uh, when Percival changed teams again, his former Tigers teammates came to town and said, Hey, they you know, we heard that you are the guy who knows how to make this. Will you make it for us? And he said, Yeah, I guess I could do that and then all of a sudden word started to spread and everybody in baseball basically knew that if you wanted this stuff, Bubba could make it for you.
4: Stephanie, one thing that really surprised surprised me about this process was how unsophisticated it was. When you read foreign substances on baseballs, you think about the process being really intricate and, and maybe chemists coming up with something or or teams hiring people or outsourcing people to come up with something really intense to give these players. But he was just kind of eyeballing things and making it in a soda can.
10: Yeah, you're right. It's uh, It does seem like something that might be a little more sophisticated. But no, this really was... He never even wrote down a recipe or anything. It was just like, that seems about right. Uh, and then there were times when he would get texts from pitchers like Derek Cole texted him and said, do you have a a mixture that uh, holds up better in cold weather? This one seizes up a little bit. And he said, well, I guess I could maybe add a little bit of this. I could change the, the composition a little bit. And so he sort of fooled around with it until he came up with something that he felt would be better suited. But no, there was no sort of scientific basis for it. It's just over the years, this is what Percival found that worked. And then this is what Bubba, how Bubba adjusted it slightly.
4: Well, I guess then I'm wondering why more people didn't try to create it themselves. Why, if they knew that Percival was the one that started it and these were the ingredients that he used and they're available in every clubhouse, we're talking about about pine tar and rosin, why more people weren't trying to concoct it themselves. I I just, I guess I wonder why they kept going back to Bubba.
10: Yeah, we asked that too. And he said that, The process is kind of annoying, the melting it down, and that it seems like he he had a pretty good ratio. And so other players did try to make it themselves, and some of them, you know, came up with a substance they liked. But for the most part, these guys would rather tip a clubhouse guy $100 for something that they are confident works than work on it themselves.
3: Stephanie, we were amused at the Adam Wainwright order in which the Venmo account said that the money was for kale, salad, and beans. That's not something that you typically send from Anaheim to St. Louis.
10: (laughs) Yes, we we got a kick out of that uh, Venmo memo (laughs) line as well. (laughs)
3: And just from your opinion standpoint, after dealing with Bubba and obviously watching all of this unfold and now the word that the league is sending out a memo and they'll suspend players with pay for 10 days, apparently, if they're caught with uh, a substance on the ball. Do you think that this is going to be the end of it, that these really good substances that the pitchers are using, do you think they'll go by the wayside now or do you think pitchers will still find something to get a better grip on the ball?
10: I think it's more the latter. I think you'll see a lot of guys cut down on the really, the really serious stuff, the the glue, the spider tack. Uh, but I, I don't think, you know, they've been mixing sunscreen and rosin forever to get a little bit of a grip. I don't think that's going anywhere. I think that's going to be a lot easier for a lot, a lot harder rather for the league to enforce. Uh, and I also think it depends on how seriously they enforce it. You know, if they, if, if they let stuff slide, I think players will immediately go back to whatever they were doing. Whereas if they really are suspended guys, then I think you might see a real change in behavior.
4: Stephanie, were you surprised that so many people in major league baseball just accepted that players were using this and essentially turned a blind eye to it for so long?
10: I think this is sort of a problem that the league has found itself in on many occasions with steroids, with the electronic sign dealing it. I think they keep getting caught off guard by how, hard teams will try to find an edge. And so by the time the league becomes aware of the problem, it's rampant and it's it's on its way to you know, ruining the game. And so I think the I think that that tends to be the league's progression here. And I you know, they deserve some credit for acting now, but it would have been better to act three years ago.
3: Stephanie Epstein, you do an amazing job covering baseball for SI. We really appreciate your work on this story and appreciate you taking some time to talk about it this morning. Thanks for having me. You bet. That is Stephanie Epstein of Sports Illustrated with us on one one ESPN.
4: That's why earlier in the show I gave you the teoli of we're gonna see a player suspended within a week for this because I do think if baseball really wants to frighten players into not using that, especially if they're if you're you're going to get paid, nobody wants to be the first person. Nobody wants the embarrassment of being the first person. So I think baseball might come out and and do something soon, maybe suspend somebody within a week or two and frighten some other people because you're going to remember the first couple guys that get popped for but this.
3: It, it seems like Cole and Bauer have already stopped. I wonder who isn't going to pay, pay attention to what's going on in baseball and actually apply this stuff and use it and get tossed from a game. There's, like you said, there's got to be somebody that stupid because Manny Ramirez exists, right? So there is somebody that stupid to use that performance enhancer and think <laughs> they aren't going to get caught.
4: And it's all about motivating factor. Some guys already have massive contracts. Others do not. So maybe the risk of using it and not getting caught and continuing to have a better performance is worth it to someone.
3: Hey, Michelle, how would you like to give away some Brad Paisley tickets?
4: I was hoping you would ask, Randy. I would love to do that.
3: Well, 101 ESPN is your chance to win a free pair of lawn tickets for Brad Paisley. Friday night, July 30th at Hollywood Casino Amphitheater with special guests Jimmy Allen and Cameron Marlowe. You know who's good buddies with Paisley? Who? Jeff Fisher Oh, from the Nashville days. That tracks? Yeah. If you don't win this contest, then we're going to have a contest right now, find a bonus chance to win free tickets for Brad Paisley right now at 101ESPN.com and on your 101 mobile app. How do you think we should give these away?
4: Well, let's reward someone who's listened a lot during the show. Good idea. So maybe we hearken back to something that we did in the 8 o'clock or 7 o'clock hour?
3: 8 o'clock hour, good.
4: Okay, well, a highlight of the 8 o'clock hour to me it was... Of course, talking to Mike Claiborne. Claiborne is the best. He's the best. Always look forward to our conversations with Claibs. So there's got to be something that we talked about with him that could be the word to win.
3: I think I have it. Okay. He judges a team based on what holiday. When he makes his decisions about a team, what holiday does Claibs refer to? And a hint, it was recent. Mm-hmm. Text in 65780. And if you are texture number 13, texture number 13 with that word, then you will win the free tickets to see Brad Paisley July 30th at Riverport or Hollywood Casino Amphitheater.
4: Be the Dan Marino texter, 65780, right now.
3: That's right. And don't forget, you can join me at Schnooks and join Folds of Honor as well for a Friday night at the farm, Friday night starting at 6 at Grant's Farm. VIP tickets on sale now that include a live Jumbotron broadcast of the Cardinals game, food stations, signature Schnooks items and specialty drinks, plus special giveaways, Cardinals alumni appearances and autograph signings and more. VIP tickets are $25 a person with the full amount being donated to a great cause. Folds of Honor. Get more details on this Friday's Night at the Farm with Snooks and me, now at 101ESPN.com. We're going to cross things over with Danny Mack, talk about the 4-2 Cardinals win over the Marlins last night, next on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
3: Many, many of you know that Mike Claiborne's milepost for judging a baseball team is Flag Day, but the 13th person to text in was Mike from St. Louis, so Mike is on his way to see... Not Mike Claiborne. No, a different Mike. (laughs) Okay. Have we confirmed that? No, we have not, but I'm assuming (laughs) that this is the case. Friday night, July 30th, Mike from St. Louis is on his way to see Brad Paisley at the... Hollywood Casino Amphitheater. So congratulations to Mike, and thanks to, thanks to all of you for listening and texting in.
4: Thank you to Mike, and have a great time.
3: Danny Mac is here. Cardinals win last night, 4-2 over the Marlins, and he's getting ready for the Dan McLaughlin show, which is going to feature BK. Is BK back today?
5: I don't know. Oh. I'm not sure. I didn't know that he wasn't here yesterday until we uh, began the show, and I said, good morning, BK, and I got no response. Well, there was happens. an empty chair over yeah. there. But we just kept talking. It was great. We had a great show. It was yeah. all It was all good, Randy. Michelle, nice to see you back.
4: Thank you, Dan, for filling in for me. Sure. Uh, it had to be a fun surprise for you to know whether you're going to have a co-host or not.
5: I Well, I didn't. It's really my fault. I didn't check the schedule. The <laughs> schedule was out, and it did say that BK was not going to be yeah. there. I just didn't realize it.
4: It's a self-inflicted surprise. It was. It was my fault. <laughs>
5: Mike Ryder sent out the schedule, and... I just didn't read it, so it was on me. Yeah,
4: <laughs> it's what's one going of those on, things. Dan? I, I, I don't blame you. It was
5: my fault. Yep. Sorry, Mike. So,
3: <laughs> one thing that uh, we see on a regular basis in baseball
5: is multiple players missing
3: home plate.
5: Yeah, that, that was a first. That one was a first. I had never seen that in a baseball game. I've seen guys miss home plate. It happens. But not twice in one game. It was amazing. Yeah, and I took a guess on the first replay or the first challenge, which was they would be challenging that Yachty was blocking the lane to the plate, and then they would challenge whether or not he was out or safe. And I got that one right, and then I thought maybe the second time they're doing the same thing, and the second time it was just whether he was out or safe. It's such a gray area to me on whether or not you're blocking the plate. So especially from a throw from right field. And if the throw takes you into the line, you can kind of block the plate Mm -hmm. because the throw is a baseball play and it takes you into the runner. Um, But you can't just like throw your leg down to be blocking the plate. You can't just do that. So they ruled that Yachty wasn't blocking the plate and then he never touched home plate. And then the next time Dylan Carlson never touched home plate. So it was just odd. It was one of those things that you you never, ever see. I thought the play was blocked for Carlson, but I also thought that he dragged his
3: toe, uh, and you didn't see it. It it wasn't obvious, so you really couldn't overturn it
5: because he was called out, but I thought he dragged his toe across the top of the play. I did not. I didn't think he did, and I thought he should have... Sl- you know what? Just slide. Yeah, right. Why not just slide and take that completely out of the uh, equation, but to the greater point of... Well, first of all, just make it easy. Just slide. Yeah. Then you don't have to worry about it, right? But um, I didn't. I. But again, it, it was so, in that call, if you're in New York, I can't overturn it because I, I I don't know if he touched it or grazed it. And hey, you I'm might be right. The, I might be right. Who knows? I've got a biased eye, clearly. You have a no, biased you, eye, too. No, but you might be right. Yeah. I don't know. I, so I, none of us. Do. I mean, who knows on that kind of play? he didn't argue via no, he voice, didn't. vociferously. And it was just so weird. And he I, did dive back to try to mm-hmm. get to the plate, too. But then he's probably thinking, well, did
3: I
6: touch it?
4: Right. And he was so originally called safe. Back.
5: I don't know if he heard safe, but he was called safe and then called out. So here's what I, I wanted to ask the question, and maybe you guys would know this. So when he was initially called safe, I thought, well, that's your call. And now you're going to call him out? So maybe there's an umpire out there that can help me with this because I'm kind of a rules guru. I try to really understand this stuff to where when you're called safe, then that's the ruling. He's safe at the plate on that kind of play. Mm-hmm. But then he's called out. So you, you understand what yeah. I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I thought like, OK, he's safe. And now you're so that's the ruling on the field. Then a, and then all of a sudden he called him out. That's you, the thing. If, if he doesn't get back and try to go to the plate. Exactly. So now he just to walks the to the dugout. Yeah, I wonder. You know what I mean, right? So I, I, I was really kind of confused on that whole play. Yeah, and fortunately, everybody else was too. Yeah, fortunately, he did touch plate the plate in the eighth inning. Another yeah. Tyler. Did O'Neal you notice how it? he stepped right on the <laughs> plate and had a little smile? Um, man, did they need that win? The crowd was kind of interesting. I thought the crowd was a little flat last night. Um, and I think it's just a direct reflection on how the team's been playing. Yeah, you know, I mean, the team has just not been playing good baseball, and. You know you're trailing two-one. There wasn't a lot going on. It's a Monday night against the Marlins, and you know you're you're hoping that the team would play way better than they've been playing here recently, and and you're kind of waiting for the uh, the shoe to drop. It, it it has not been a good stretch of baseball, but hey, they they got the win, and I I really think this could be your season. I, I, as crazy as it sounds, when you have this stretch of games against lesser teams that are unf- under five hundred, and now the Cardinals I think are seventeen and five against teams that are under five hundred. Mm-hmm. As you wait for some of these guys to get healthy or you make a deal, this could be your season. You, you've you got to play good baseball here. There's no other way to look at it.
4: No doubt. But last night, Dan, another situation where the Cardinals needed a strong performance out of Adam Wainwright, and he rises to the occasion. Yeah,
5: he's been great at home, and it's now, I think, in his last five starts at home, he's given the Cardinals eight and a third, eight innings, back-to-back seven innings, and then six innings last night. So he's... Giving you, a, a giving the Cardinals a chance to win at home, and uh, and now you get KK back tonight. Um, I hope you know I'd love to see him at least give you five, yeah, at least give you five and see what he's got. And then, um, but they're going to face a really good lefty tonight, and they're going to get Alcantara tomorrow. So this is not going to be an easy test for the offense. And as much as we say, you know, three fifths prior to tonight of the rotation has been out and pitching has been problematic with all the walks, um, the offense hasn't been there. And so the offense has got to be better. And uh, But how about Tyler O'Neal? I We need to Great. start giving him more credit um, because he's having a really good year. He has been one of the more solid players the Cardinals have had win. So he's he's been good. Yeah, he's, he's, he's been one of the positives this year. They, they don't win last night without him. No. A couple of doubles. He's got a 20-game on base streak, and he's been very, very good. Looking forward to the Danny Mac Show. Larry Beinfest, the former general manager of the Marlins, is coming up, and maybe BK. Is a do you, you got a better look I, down I, the hallway? I don't, I don't, don't know. Him. Do you see him? I don't see him. Okay.
4: From my vantage point, I don't see him in the hall. But that right. doesn't mean That's anything. It, yeah, that doesn't mean he's not here. He That's could it, be hustling uh, down the hall. He could, you could be. Know.
5: Yep.
3: I, the tweet I,
4: says that he's back. Okay. Good. tweet okay. says with BK. Okay. So,
3: All right. Good, great. Good to know. Nice. Great. Uh, great job today by our producer engineer Emily Butcher. Thank you. Thank you. And Michelle, who has three phones on her person right now. Congratulations.
4: Is that a congratulations? Why do you have
3: three phones?
4: Because I had one that broke, and then a backup one that broke, and then I had to buy a brand new one. So I'm hoping to get the other two fixed and perhaps sell them. So
5: usually it's usually people that phone. have yeah. three phones. I mean, there could be, you know. Not a burner phone situation no, this here. This is
4: not a burn, this is not a Kevin Gates situation. No. no, we it's just a very unfortunate issue. Who's Kevin here. Gates? He he had a song called Two Phones and he oh. talked about, you know, oh. having a Hmm. Anyway,
5: don't burn worry phone. About him. Yeah, a phone. A little one. friend on the side or something or what? Or I, th- I think maybe more a, about... a
4: business phone.
5: Okay. It was more about b- oh, illegal for substances. I substances. gotcha. you.
3: Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay.
4: Right.
5: Great to have you back, Michelle. Thank you.
4: Kale salad and beans is what he was looking for.
3: <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> and for all of us, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman podcast powered by I Promise.
2: Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.
10: It's a well-known fact that good sleep leads to a happier life. Okay, maybe that's not a fact fact, but... Don't you just feel amazing after a great night's sleep? Like the first night back in your own
2: bed after traveling. It's time to demand more first night back kind of sleep. Stop tossing and turning and talk with your doctor about how you can seize the night and day. And visit
10: SeizeTheNightAndDay.com to learn more.